I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. You're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Repeticulture Network. Hello, Derek. How are you? Person I've not been talking to for the last 10 minutes. How How's it going? Uh, living the dream, buddy. Just listen to your beautiful <laughs> voice. It's like Fergie and Jesus. Oh, you know, she wishes she had my voice. Uh, she does. She does. Uh, what is going on, everybody? So as you can tell, Phil is not here. Phil is actually legitimately late this time, not illegitimately late. He had some work stuff pop up, so he should be here in the next couple minutes, uh, as is, is what he told me. If he doesn't show up, it's not my fault. I had nothing to do with it. But this is episode 120 of Snakes and Stogies. Uh, I am Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. This show is brought to you by Puget Sound Pythons. Puget Sound Pythons, blackboxcages.com. Check both of them out. Um, awesome people. You need a rack, you need a cage, hit up Blackbox. I have some bio G's and they're awesome. Uh, I posted about those today. I actually made a post on their page because I like the bio G so much. It's such a versatile size cage. Uh, really, really good stuff. So um, me and Jake are actually planning on getting a video together too. He has like way more different models of their stuff than I do. He's got like the XR 16, XR 20. He's got the V seventies. He's got some of the cages. So at some point with this new work schedule, I'm going to have weekends off. So I'm going to slide over to his spot. Uh, one of these weekends coming up and we're going to film and he's going to talk about the like actually show you the different models and stuff like that. So <clears throat> that will uh, that's happening soon. So keep an eye out uh, while we're waiting for Phil. There are still slots for the May raffle. So we are going to be drawing next show, actually. So next Monday, I want to get I want to get slots filled up. Uh, raffle. I have some new pictures of this red coastal that Eric Hernandez has graciously donated. Uh, still plenty of slots there. I was sure those were going to fill up quick, but what's really running out fast are these these slots for this Snakes and Stogies cigar band tumbler. Thanks, there's, there's literally like four four spots left. So, uh, and then there's still some spots for the isopods. So I'll show y'all. Let me pull up the pictures of the where, 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 what am I doing? You would think I would know how to operate a computer by now. Where are you? Da, da, da. Hey. Man, you're wow. quick. Wolf. What's up. up, buddy? How are you, double? Uh, Living the dream, baby. Ofri oh, daddy. Ofri oh, daddy. Ofri oh, daddy. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to see. Let me see if I can share this here window real quick. So these are some updated pictures of that carpet that is up for grabs for the raffle. It just shed. And Eric Excellent. just sent me pictures of it. Excellent. Uh, good, good, good. Yes. Let's see. Window. Did I miss the intro and the sponsors and all that lovely stuff? You you sure did. Well, I so. was here in spirit. Always. 
I was expecting you to be lo gone longer, honestly. Well, I had to take care of some digital work, and uh, it was time sensitive. So, does this? Are you guys seeing this one? No, you're just seeing the one. Okay, okay. Streamyard's gonna make me play that game. <laughs> all right, so I got to show you all these individually. That's whack. Let's see. I just realized I forgot my torch lighter, so I have to leave in twenty seconds. Oh man, Rookie what am I gonna do with you? Thought you were a professional. I am. Look, I even got my little boom arm thing going on. Uh, how's my audio? How's my volume? It's fine. It's fine. Sounds Excellent. beautiful, man. Excellent. Good. Good. Yes. Yes. So this is the same snake. Yeah. So it's a low expression, wow. but here is a clutch mate that he held back. So to give you an idea, like. Yeah, you're not gonna like you're not seeing that red currently, but it gets better. This is really cumbersome. So that is a clutch mate. Ooh. So wow. it's a screamer. If y'all hit up the link here that I'm about to post, and hopefully it doesn't cause StreamYard to have an aneurysm. It could be yours. The rules and everything are right there in the post. So check it out. That's right. It's going to all 20 destinations. Good Lord. Good. Divide and conquer. That's right. So plenty of spots left. Like I said, there's a week left as far as uh, slots and stuff go. So let's fill her up. Let's get her done. What are you smoking tonight, Philium? What are you listening to? What'd you nothing? I was just bobbing with like, yeah, yeah. Oh, ready to go. Like, I'm, I'm not here. you. I don't. I can't listen to music while I'm doing this. I need to like focus. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, multitasking is not my. Yeah, thing I don't. I don't multitask at all. You know um, what it is? It's the power of the bang. That's it. So I'm told. Those amino acids, man, they get Sponsor you. Sponsor me, damn it! Look at that sweet tea bang. I got, bought a case of it. Mint. Delicious. Well, I have been staring at this Neanderthal since oh, you gave the it one to I me. Sent you? Yeah. When you sent me, and I was like, man, I want to smoke it. I'm like, no, wait, no, wait, no, wait. Guess what? I ain't freaking waiting anymore. Don't. Now, I was also going to ask you is that when I first grabbed it, I thought it was a normal Toro, but it has that taper. Is that, is that, yeah, normal? yeah, that's normal. And then because the back is so flat, like a perfect 90 degree angle, I had to do it. An X cut. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Damn. So it's meant it's meant to be like a little club almost. Yeah, I love it. Like that's one of the subtle things I like about that. So yeah, uh, I am also smoking Roma Craft. I cut it too much, and so now it's kind of falling apart. But an Intemperance Grand Perfecto, Connecticut. Ooh, excellent. Justin, we got a message from Streamyard. Facebook is playing games. Yeah. Uh oh. Did it say my page? It says Palmetto Coast, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's okay. It's, it's not one of the major ones. It's all good. Fair enough. <clears throat> so, yes, the uh, raffle proceeds are going to Esclepia Snakebite Foundation. Help people out. Uh, after reading that book, so I'm assuming we're going to do a Billy's Book Club soon, or the Dartha Lapis School for Kids Who Can't Read Good, um, 
<clears throat> and I want to talk about that uh, Venoms and, and Venomations book that I was reading. Uh, gave a good bit, of, especially the epidemiology chapter, gave a lot of insight into sort of snake bite and how it works and, and why it's such a problem. So that only made me uh, more more stoked to, to send money to ASF. Hell yeah, man. And, uh, we're over $400 so far. I'd like, Excellent. To, I'd like to bump that up. And Absolutely. there's still plenty of slots, so get them while you can. There's only four left on the cup. The cup filled up quick. That carpet, you don't Unintended. have to pay for shipping. Shipping is covered by Reptiles Express. I love Reptiles Express. Pretty sure everyone else loves Reptile Express that uses them. We all love Reptiles Express. They're good dudes. Good people. 100%. I just noticed that Derek's thing is actually Ofri Daddy. That's amazing. It says <laughs> it on the screen. Of course. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so it's funny because a couple weeks ago, Derek was posting a ton of stuff that he was selling. I'm like, oh God. I was like, what's happening? Like, is Derek, is there like is Derek getting out out? Like, is something wrong? And I was like, dude, what's going on? He and he's like, oh no, I'm just I'm going all in on Ofriacus. And I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that'll <laughs> happen. That'll happen. That's that's pretty much like, it. Hell yeah, man, do it. Uh, yeah, had a very very unique opportunity pop up, and snakes ain't cheap, as we all know. So I had to make space and pad the wallet a little bit more. I'm still recovering from it, but I I'm happy with the decision. There's some of those there's some of those moments in your mm -hmm. pedicultural career where there's there's opportunities that come up where like debt and eating. And all these other things that might be considered vital to some people. <laughs> yeah. You can put them on pause for like a week. You can go a long time without food. As long as you have water, you're fine. Exactly. That's, that's if, like, exactly it. If it's for Ofries, then I mean, if I'm not if, even going to blame you. If Anna Maria is listening to this, my love, that is not how I think. Don't <laughs> think that's how I think. Don't lump me in with these savages. <laughs> We're good. But I will say that you should always, if you have a species in mind or a project in mind and you're doing your homework and you're taking the time to think about how you're going to do it and when you're going to do it and why you're going to, how you're going to, all that stuff, squirrel the money away, you know, yes. have your savings, have your, you know, feeding fund, whatever you want to call it, but put that money aside because there will be a time when they magically fall into your lap for the right price in the right yep. sex ratio and quantity and color variation and phenotype or whatever. And then you'll be able to pull the trigger and do it. Yeah. And I can't speak highly enough of that. I did that with the ring calls. I did it with the Sarastis. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I spent a lot of money. And yeah, I did it with Condros and then they died. Oh, well, no, but <laughs> you've Rip. been doing it. You've been doing it with Bairds. Oh, you yeah. Know I mean, think about how many times you're like, you weren't expecting to buy that Bairds. Well, that's it's like, also oh, because Bairds are cheap damn. or were cheap before I started talking about them. And now, <laughs> yeah. like, their prices have gotten insane. Like, I go to Daytona, like, oh, 60 bucks, 100 for a pair. Hell yeah, sign me up. No problem. No big yeah, deal. But, but mm -hmm. now it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter the quantity of the money. It's the fact that you have the money put aside for those animals so that when it does fall into your lap, you're 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 good to go. Whether it be a fifty dollar snake or a thousand dollar snake. Yep. Yep. Because honestly, yeah. if I if I couldn't have pulled the trigger on this when it popped up, I I don't know if I would have gotten over it. I really don't. Yeah, and at least you could say that you gave it a try, you gave it a shot, you did it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And yep, absolutely. Yeah. If it's if it means that much to you in terms of a project or a species, and nobody says you got to buy ten of one thing. You know, oh, if that's yeah. what you want to do, go for it. But if you just want that one keynote species, then 
go for it. You know, put the money aside and make sure you got your caging ready and everything. That's another thing I can't tell you about how many oh, times yeah. I've, I've been offered a, a, an amazing, you know, strike when the iron's hot scenario. And I had to turn it down. Cause I'm like, I don't have the cages. Yep. And I, I'm not just going to leave them in bags and, you know, figure it out. You know, mm-hmm. exactly. we're not talking about a baby corn snake that could live in a sterilite tub. You know, <laughs> Uh, it's, we were just talking about that before we started, and I told Derek, right. I was like, "Dude, I'm so strapped on space right now because I've been going so hard on corns that I've got like my room stays warm enough to where I'm not really worried about it. I got nice ambience in there, but like I have two corns in tubs on my little work table. Yeah, but that's okay because they it's like a, float around depending on if I need that workspace or not. And they go in one <laughs> corner, they go in the other. Yeah, but that's but that's fine. If if all of a sudden someone says, if you've always wanted, you know, I don't know, uh. If you've always wanted a rhino iguana, yeah. If you've always wanted a rhino iguana, and all of a sudden someone's like, "Hey, I I can't take care of my rhino iguana anymore. I got to move. I want to go to a good home. Will you take him? You know." And then you don't have a cage. I have an entire garage that it can just have free reign in. All right, whatever. I'm going to get my (laughs) torch lighter. Where there's a will, there's a way. That's it. Make it happen. My child doesn't spend a lot of time in her room. <laughs> exactly. It'll work out. Exactly. Look, might, if, they, they might as well be a cat, right? I, mean, I was just about to around. say, if a cat can roam the house, so can the iguana. If it's big enough, it can fight off the cat. Yeah, there you go. Don't have to worry about that either. <laughs> so what's what's new? What's been going on? Oh, staying busy, man. Um, as you mentioned, trying to scale back the collection some, recover my my wallet a little bit. Um, so selling off some enclosures, uh, not really looking to sell off any more animals right now. I think I'm good on that front. Um, I will be donating a good chunk of animals to Reptile Preservation Institute, which I'm super stoked about because those will either be awesome display animals or part of training programs. So mm-hmm. I feel good doing that. Um, and like I said, that'll just be a donation. I'm not looking to get any money back on those animals. Um, but yeah, just kind of staying busy in the herp room, dad life, things are wild with work right now trying to uh procure a new career taking a new route that way something you can relate to justin yes <laughs> yep yep it's gonna be so nice saturdays and, you, and sundays off oh my lord mm-hmm. it's nice it's a game changer i'm enjoying Honestly, it while i can yeah it's been several years since i had a job where that was the case but mm-hmm. uh how how are you surviving there in the law crazy world of florida it's uh it's scary uh i'm i'm worried every day and i'm uh, i'm just i'm holding out hope that the uh our our governing agency is willing to work with us at the uh the last meeting that they held in gainesville i was not there physically but thankfully i was able to stream it from work um so i was able to see everyone who got up and speak and see that they passed the regulations um the chairman made it seem like they are willing to work with the community with the industry and i'm hoping they stick to that because uh you know i i did sink a whole lot of animals or money into some animals that are very special to me and uh if if something changes and i have to move these animals out of state or to a facility uh it would crush me it really would yeah, so i'm just yeah. i'm hoping things work out and worst case scenario Maybe regulations do change. I could be grandfathered in. I don't know. I'm just, I'm hoping it doesn't come down to that. I'm hoping that they are willing to work with us and responsible keepers don't get, you know, bent over. Yeah. That's, 
with all the stuff that was happening, you know, last year with South Carolina and whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, there was a handful of of representatives uh, that were willing, like, if we drafted some sort of regulation of our own as far as, like, this is the parameters for caging and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. we had mentioned if we come to them, you know, are they willing to, to work with us a little bit? Like, if we're going to have to set rules, we might as well make them the rules we set, you know, so... And I, the handful of them seemed very open to the idea of it and seemed very, very much... Uh, they liked the fact that, like, they're willing to work with us and we're willing to work with them a little bit. And, you know, then it goes to Phil's point of, well, that's giving them an inch, you know, even if they're make, doing it nicely. Yeah. You know, it's like... So yeah. it is yeah, it is like an arm's length kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I just... I, I was not involved in the hobby back when Florida originally tried to put the ban on venomous keeping, which was 2015, 2016, something like that. Uh, the legislation passed in 14. 14, gotcha. Yeah, so I wasn't involved back then. Um, one of my mentors was, and from what I understand, a group of really great keepers came together and helped push <laughs> the regulations to have it where we are now. So I'm hoping that you know there's another group of fine keepers out there that are willing to do the same thing and i know the chairman the uh commissioners a lot of those people have changed out i'm just hoping that you know we can all work together and come to some sort of solution for this yeah so i'm actually trying to pursue a career with florida fish and wildlife and i'm hoping that shit doesn't hit the fan before i can get in there We've infiltrated our Trojan horses working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From from what I've gathered, it, it looks like they're taking laws that were unclear no, or mm-hmm. laws that pertained, that were already enacted that pertain to other forms of captive wildlife. And they're mm-hmm. just adding it to things like venomous and uh, sale of reptiles and such like that. Mm-hmm. So some of the stuff you kind of look at it like, eh, I'm not a bad guy. It's not going to, it's not going to affect me, but. Oh, it could yeah. in a New York minute. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar, that's very fast. <laughs> very quick. A New Jersey second is even faster. Mm. Dang yanks. Uh, Scott said it's about time you had a respectable haircut, Phil. <laughs> he does. Thank you, Scott. It, thank you. It's getting too hot for long hair, man. I know. Mm-hmm. Dude, I was mm-hmm. going to wear my Venom Life gear hat, and I put it on to like bring all this stuff outside. And I was sweating from just setting up the friggin' microphone. And I was like, this is not happening. So no hat today. Yeah, I left mine in Katie's car. Got to get you a visor, man. I'm not that cool, man. <laughs> I'm not that cool. When you have large heads like we do, visors, oh. uh, visors are, they just look weird. Well, what happens is I get the Velcro. And instead of it being like overlapping, it's like just the, just the, uh. so like, like, <laughs> Squint my face the wrong way. <laughs> Bust. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you just yep. flex your head muscles. <laughs> All that brain power. That's it, buddy. That's it. So, Ofri Daddy, how many you got now? And the ones that you recently acquired, are they in your possession yet? Yes. So, I am currently in possession of six. They have not all been sexed because I'm trying to get these animals acclimated i don't want to put them through any kind of stress they are all of various sizes and ages um i know my og ofri is a confirmed female so i'm pumped to at least have one 
Um, but these other other five that I've recently acquired, I'm just getting them acclimated. They're doing great. They're all eating, drinking. They've all shed for me multiple times already. So everything's looking good, and I'm excited to uh, to get the ball rolling with this this project. Because as far as I'm aware, and I could be wrong, and I I hope I am, but um, other than myself, I only know of two other individuals in the country that have group like sizable groups. Sizable is six animals for yeah. a species endemic to Mexico. So. Oh, Jenkins wants pictures. I got his Instagram pulled up right here. All right. I was there ready. <laughs> I was like, if we're going to talk about these, there's a ton of people, I'm sure, that, that have never oh, even sure. heard of that. Oh, yeah, before. I'm sure. And they're some of the coolest little pit vipers, man. Little little croats. They're fantastic. Mini mangs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mini mangs. I love it. it. Oh, hey, look at that. The comment. Can we please do an Ovary episode on one of the podcasts? Here we are, one week later, exactly. Make, make it happen. That's it. Yeah. Let's see. What am yeah, I doing? Awesome little snakes. And I mean, we'll get to, to this and, and this. Oh, of course. Your story and this. But... Did you buy a melosis? Is that what um, that was? So I had melosis. Oh, uh, recently departed with it. I have ornatus still. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Good, good. Yes. Bears. Look at that. Look at it. <laughs> would, you, would you just look at it? <laughs> oh, you got porthidium too. I forgot about that. Oh. Yes, sir. There was one point where I was like, Derek just knows all the good stuff, man. New He's got all the good vipers. stuff. New World Pit Vipers, man. That's it. That's where it's at. So do you which do you have one single species? Uh it, as far as I'm aware, yes. I have uh Smaragdinus. Smaragdinus. Smaragdinus, yes. So the Emerald Horned Pit Viper, there are Two other species that fall under the Ophriacus genus that, to my knowledge, no one in the country has. Once again, mm -hmm. I could be wrong about that, and I hope that I am. Um, it is very interesting, though, because all of my animals, no two look the same as far as coloration goes. It's, wow. it's really interesting. But scalation, uh, things like that, they do all appear to be very similar, at least to, to my eyes. Mm -hmm. Are they variable like Squamangera? Uh, not necessarily that much. It does seem to be varying shades of green. Like I've got one that's a real like emerald green, like the name entails, the common name. Um, I've got some that are more tan. Uh, I've got a, like a real dark, rich forest green animal. Um, some of them have more black. Some of them seem to be more brownish in coloration. Uh, it's it's really interesting and not what I expected. I didn't know there was even that much variability in the species. So it's pretty neat to see. And when I got my more recent ones in and I saw that color difference, I was like, hold on, let me let me look at these things to make sure I know what I've got. So I'm oh yeah, very very confident that they are all the emerald horn pit vipers. So I'm I'm very very stoked. Um, when it comes to their locality information, they primarily are only found in Veracruz. Um, but there are a couple other Mexican states you can find them in too. So I'm I'm really not sure if I've got mixed localities or what. But I'm just I'm stoked to have as many as I have. So yeah, because uh, yeah, I mean they're fairly recently described. Yes, they were actually they're they're fairly new in terms of like being mm -hmm. in in the 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 science sciences. Yes, yeah. So this species was first described in 2016. So. Uh, very, very recently, looking about six years now, and, and it was still, it was Bopyrex before that, right? 
Um, it was Mixelcotus, I believe. Okay. Yes. Um, but yes, they're 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 very new to science, and we still like as a community, as uh, science, herpetology, ecology, we still don't know much about this species because they are so isolated to that eastern sierra madres region of mexico where it's it's hard to get to especially for folks that look like us um not exactly the safest place in the world um and very isolated small pocket populations um so not a lot of research has been done most of what's out there you're talking about the herp mx guys that are doing a lot of that work um and unfortunately where they're at in veracruz a lot of their range is not protected their habitat isn't protected and veracruz is actually the most deforested state in mexico so this is a species that unfortunately we could potentially see uh disappear from the wild at some point oh wait whoops that's uh that's crazy um have you how do i phrase this mm -hmm. do you feel like there's ever been a chance because i I've, i feel like there's been a chance do you ever feel like there's been a chance where a very small juvenile animal was, I don't want to say smuggled, but brought mm -hmm. in w without knowledge of being an eyelash? Mm -hmm. I, I, that's absolutely a possibility. Um, I mean, these animals had to get into the States somehow. Um, right. So right. it m may very well have been a mistake. And I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that have done it knowingly, which you know, it's unfortunate and I'm, I'm so torn when it comes to this stuff because like the former AZA zookeeper and me, when it comes to like smuggling animals, taking things out of the wild, it's like, it, it makes me cringe a little bit. But at the same time, I know like what I just said, these animals could disappear from the wild. So there needs to be some sort of established population. Now, from what I understand in captivity in Mexico, it, they're actually fairly common. Um, I love being in those Facebook groups and seeing people that have all every species of Ophriacus and seeing them reproduced. So that's, you know, gives me some comfort. Um, but to go back to your initial question, yeah, I could absolutely see somebody mistaking this for a different species. The uh, Emerald Horn Pit Vipers in particular are the most arboreal out of all the Ophriacus. So it wouldn't be uncommon to find them in some shrubbery and a low hanging branch and just maybe snatch that and whoever's collecting and, exporting being like oh yeah cool tree viper american yeah because yeah. <laughs> like, look at that picture on the screen right now and it looks well that's like... the snowfreeze that's a different species but okay. it's like a like a porthidium and a bothriacus had a baby yes yeah, yeah exactly exactly yep yep so i i definitely believe that it it probably happens more often than we would like to admit um and I, that's something i took into consideration when excuse me when obtaining the animals that i have I want to make sure I'm doing it legally because the last thing I want, especially trying to pursue a career in fish and wildlife, is for fish and wildlife to show up on my door and be like, hey, you've got illegal animals. So uh, import permits from you know these animals that came to me from out of state and confirming that these were captive-born specimens. Now, I didn't want to you know necessarily dig myself into the weeds too much, so I just ask. And if they say yes, uh, which they did, thankfully, I pulled the trigger, and that's all all I want to know. It's all I need to know. So I, I yeah. do have these animals legally from Excellent. You know, that aspect. Yep. Yeah, and Scott's saying it, it reminds him. Paper. There you go. Scott was just saying hey. it looks like a, a, a South American Jordoni, which I agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 
And uh, did you wind up doing the state import permit for those? Yes. yes. How was it? Like, what what was entailed? How long did it take? Because I've never done one. I mean, I never had to do one, you know? Yes. So it was, uh, honestly, it was really simple. Um, it was, I think, more difficult to find it on the MyFWC website. Um, but as far as applying goes, it was fairly simple. Just fill out all of my information, permit information, address, uh, where the animals were coming from and how they were being transported into the state, which of course was Delta. So that's not an issue. Um, it would have been an issue if someone wanted to drive them to me and they weren't permitted in Florida, but it was really, it's, it's a no cost permit, fill it out, email it up to Tallahassee. Um, and then they got it back to me within, within a, a week, week and a half. And once they approve it, it's good for, I believe, 45 days. So say if I was going up to or going out to a herps show in Texas to get some some hots, if I had some species in mind that I was even thinking about bringing back, um, according to the regulations in my investigator, I would have to fill that out, send it up. Um, and then even if I didn't come back with the animals that I put on that list, um, at least I was covered in case I did see something. So um, I don't exactly travel for shows these days, but yeah. uh, it's it's definitely interesting. And it's something I didn't know about until my annual inspection um, last fall. And because I'd heard mention of it before through Cody, um, but it's not really something that I had ever seen from any of my prior mentors or even just digging through the regulations themselves. And my investigator came and we were going through all my records and my inventory. And he actually brought it up and I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure what all that entails or what it requires. And he filled me in and uh, I'm, I'm glad I did because as these investigators move on to other areas and new ones get promoted up and they're, they're super green and, and super digging into everything and being by the book, which that's their job. It's what they're supposed to be doing. I just want to make sure that everything is squeaky clean. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. That's interesting though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was, uh, I, I heard it was for relatively easy, but Mm -hmm. that's what everyone says you know yeah I mean? right you're the, you're the first person i know that's actually done one so yep yep yeah so the one unfortunate thing is there is a gentleman i'm not sure if anyone else is familiar with him who basically offers a service where he instead of delta he will actually pick up and transport venomous snakes um for you you know he keeps eyes on the animal takes care of them he drives all across the country doing this great guy i've talked to him on several occasions um, and he is working for some sort of loophole license within the state to be able to legally bring animals into and out of the state for keepers um, of course that's a, a bit of a gray area when it comes to fwc and the regulations um, so he's a great guy but when it comes to using his service unfortunately the furthest he could bring us uh or like for me example if i got a snake and he was transporting it for me i would have to meet him at one of the borders into say alabama or georgia and then my import permit would then have to say that i was bringing the snake in from out of state hmm. yeah so it's it, interesting <laughs> you dealt with a lot of both reactus uh with cody and p at rpi mm -hmm. how do the ofries compare to those Honestly, super similar. Um, based on my arboreal viper experience, I'm not going to sit here and say they're all the same, but as far as just general maintenance and working them, um, yeah, it's not that not that difficult as, uh, at all. Um, most of my animals and my setups, I just let them be. Uh, I can pull the water dish in with some, or out with some 
forceps or some tongs and replace it. And I generally don't remove the animals from the enclosures. Um, all of my Ofries are fairly laid back for the most part. I've got one who is, I believe, to be a male. Um, he's a firecracker. Uh, he's the one outlier of my group. Um, and he is also the only one that will very, very readily take frozen thawed. So he can be as angry as he wants. <laughs> he's a great eater, so I'm not going to complain. Um, but yeah, they're they're not all that different from something like a Bothriacus, like an Arafer or a Schleg. Because they're, I mean, they're, they're a small species. They're not. Yeah, you're looking at average, average size for adults are going to be 15 to 19 inches. So we're not talking about real big snakes at all here. See, that's right up my alley, man. Yep. Right up there. Tiny little arboreal stuff. Well, not tiny, but small arboreal stuff. It's, yeah, exactly. Maybe that's why I, love, I like them so much because they're in that, that atheris wheelhouse. Honestly, they just they captivated me because it's a species I certainly had never heard of. And I started interning with uh, Cody and Pia at Reptile Preservation Institute. And I was working one of the back rooms. And here I open up a rack to work some animals and there's this tiny little viper with these yeah. horns on its head. Yeah. I'm like, this is the coolest freaking thing I've ever seen. What is this? And um, so of course, Cody filled me in and on his group and where they came from and just what the species was. And from there it was, it was game over. I did as much research as I could. And um, I was like, you know what? I don't know if I will ever have the opportunity to have these animals because of where they come from. And mm -hmm. I've never even heard of them before. I don't know if anyone else is working with them outside of a zoo and um you know i had the opportunity one popped up and uh that first female popped up and i had paid the individual who had this snake for a snake that i was still waiting to receive and uh i shot him a message and i was like hey buddy how about you just send me that ofri instead and and that was it and i was i was super content uh, i had put some feelers out looking for more hoping some more would pop up and i had that animal for uh, over a year and mm -hmm. not really much much success at all and then um, i talked about them before on some episodes with y'all and did that article for the magazine and that actually benefited me a lot because that from then i had people reach out and be like hey i've got this group of four do you want them i'll give <laughs> you a good deal and i was like absolutely <laughs> so and then now that people know that that's the species i'm trying to put focus on uh, my most recent acquisition someone posted just a small inventory of animals for sale on a Facebook group. And I was tagged in it because someone saw Ofri and correlated my name with it. Yep. So I'm very, very thankful. It's the way awesome. to do it, man. That's the yeah. way to do it. I'm, oh gosh, I'm so, so excited. I'm so fortunate to have these animals and I just, I, I hope I can have su some success. Um, I'm totally changing the way my room is set up to accommodate these guys. You know, they're, montane cloud forest species so i've got the the govi humidifier hooked up to the you know thermometer and hydrometer i'm gonna work on getting an ac unit set up in here to get it nice and cold and um, i'm selling some of my pvc enclosures because i'm gonna take a page out of cody's playbook and get some nice front opening glass enclosures plan them out get some halogen domes going some some uv i'm oh god i'm so excited yeah, you know it's funny. You mentioned the you know the the little tiny one at, at RPI, and that's mm -hmm. like 20, uh, 2019 Carpet Fest. I remember yep. Pia was showing me that rack, and she opened that up, and I was I'd never seen it before. I'd never heard of it. Like she mm -hmm. she she rattled off the scientific name, and I was like, I don't you know, I didn't ask her about it, but I was like, I, I'm completely unfamiliar with that. But 
It was a man. It's a cool little, cool little snake. Because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, it's you know, it's some weird looking schleg or something. Right. You know? But uh, yeah, it was tiny, you know, and it was it was cool. It's mm-hmm. uh, now now seeing theirs, you know, last time we were there, they were they had either the same animals that were just older, or they had some new ones, and that was were some of my favorites in that in that room, like you know, the RF are cool and all, but those mm-hmm. those freaking bicolor and the the ophrys man that's yep i could stare at those bicolor all day long all I, just, day long. I freaking love those snakes <laughs> yeah they're and the awesome. bilineata too those are cool oh yeah it's, it's i'm i'm a sucker for it and i i guess i really have cody and pia to thank for this obsession that i have because the the collection as it stands right now is as far as venomous stuff goes it's new world pit vipers i've got bothrops uh bilineatus taniatus Got some gold phase Aatrox, of course the Ofreeze. I've got Marchi, I've got Schlegs, and I'm just I'm super thrilled with it. I'm gonna have to make some decisions and some some changes if I want to keep some of those more warmer climate animals in here. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm still trying, yeah, still trying to hash all that out. Um, thankfully, with Cody being right down the road, if I do need to move some animals, uh, I could at least give them to to RPI and still get to work with and observe those animals and get to see them on a regular basis. Do you know anything about what, about the separation between Bothriopsis and Bothrops? Are you familiar? Have you looked into that at all? Cause I'm, I'm really, every time I see him at P and Cody's and I know Cody agrees with me, like it makes no sense. Like you I look agree. at a, you look at an Aatrox and you look at a, a Bileniata and I'm not going to put those two together and be like, yeah, those are, those are definitely related. Yeah, no, I'm in the same boat. Um, I I was very surprised when Cody kind of explained it to me that they were their own genus, which absolutely made sense. And now they're all lumped together. Uh, I haven't really looked into it much myself. I don't like to make assumptions, but I do know based on a lot of taxonomy, people want to put names in papers and all that jazz. So it may well have been that case. Not going to make any assumptions or accusations, but to me, that's what it looks like just from a layman's perspective i mean teniata makes sense like if if you said these and even yeah. though i mean they are very different in terms of body structure and size mm-hmm. and stuff but it's like okay that's more believable than you know Mooj and i and all these other things being just mm-hmm. thrown into the mix with with bileniata it's just to me it's just goofy but yeah at the same time like i always say it has zero bearing on how we're keeping these things so Mm-hmm. exactly it's exactly. just like it's just like the ganyasoma thing with rhino rats being thrown in there like mm-hmm doesn't matter there'll always be rhinkophis you know bilineata will always be bothriopsis i refuse to play by their rules chondros will always be chondros yeah that's right so phil man what's new with you what's what's going on buddy oh not too much man not too much taking it taking it nice and slow this year i heard a couple geckos in a couple more weeks we'll see what we got um I didn't pair any of the drinks, just giving them that it'll be so July will be a year that I have the majority of the group. I have a couple ones that I've had for longer. So I figured give them the first year just to chill, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, got more cages coming from Black Box. So that'll be good. And uh, I'm just growing up a bunch of stuff, man. I've only got this is the perfect segue. I've only got one subak left. I've had really, really bad subak luck. You have, and uh, I have like 
makes me not want to do the species. And oh. this one, this one little anery boy, mm-hmm. he's 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 rebuilding the love. He is. Yeah. So how are your sub box that I'm going to come and steal from you in the dark of night? <laughs> they're, they're wonderful, man. They, they really, really are. Uh, I, I, I love them, man. They're just so goofy looking those big old bug eyes. They're so fun to interact with. Um, I don't have any locality animals, which, you know, they're, those are beautiful in their own right, but I've never really been a morph person. So to have yeah. a bunch of different, morphs for lack of a better term of subox i'm really excited to kind of play around with that once my animals are up to size uh and i just gosh yeah they're they're so much fun i I love them they're they're my girlfriend's favorite snakes that i have so they're they're gonna stay that's for sure um i i did have one roll on me unfortunately um but it, it was an adult blonde male that i got from someone local that was it was old uh i want to say it was almost yeah. as old as i am so i i was I was heartbroken when it rolled, but not necessarily surprised. It was, yeah. it was a fun animal. Um, it, it was cool to have that experience of keeping an adult subok. Um, I just, I look forward to mine getting that big someday. Soon. Yeah. I was going to ask you, do you, do you ever use arboreal perches with them? Like how are they set up? Yes. So uh, I'm constantly moving animals around in my collection and I have used some of Brahms 15 quart, perches i know you have used used them as well um interestingly enough when i've had them in tubs i've seen them utilize the perching uh when i have had them in my uh, doug bar cages and had perching available i don't see them use it however i know they're super active after lights out so they may very well use it uh, but i load that thing up with some some slate uh, and rock and create a lot of crevices and that is where they spend pretty much all day long uh once lights are out i come in here in the middle of the night every now and then and check on things and they're super active um but in my experience when i give them the opportunity to wedge themselves in between slate and um that's that's where they prefer to be rather than out on the perching yeah i think that the way you have it is is tip top that's how i do it and like the babies that i've had i did a bunch of uh crushed like crushed flat paper towel rolls okay like i made lightweight nice. rock crevices and yeah. dude, they they went gaga for that but for whatever oh, yeah whether it be illness or bad genetics i won't know but my yeah. baby's everything basically croaked um except for this one mm-hmm. and i realized that if you give them a brahms perch mm-hmm. with a short ceiling then okay. they will exclusively live on that brahms ah, perch that's cool but if you give them air like if you give them height Mm-hmm. Then, then they won't okay I that, that it, i like that i don't want to anthropomorphize but like to me it seems like they're looking at it as a crevice mm-hmm. not as an arboreal perch if that, that makes sense yeah no that totally makes sense yeah and for those of you curious the perches we're talking about is specialty enclosure design shout out to david brahms they're all handmade 3d printed and uh, i think they're they're pvc 3d printed right i believe what so. do you mean there, I mean, there. It's it's three D printing in like the spool that that three D printers print. Yeah, out. whatever that, that, that dense, pl- that that super yeah. dense plastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, awesome stuff for everyone who wants it. Special team closure designs. Check it out. Absolutely, absolutely. He's the man. Do you uh, still have the pyros, Phil? I do, and they are doing fantastic. I have one. The male is in a rack with a bunch of knobtails, mm. and. He doesn't care if it's hot, if it's cold. As long as he gets fed, he's happy. Oh, that's um, awesome. 
And then I have a female that, so I got her from a, a breeder who's in Florida in okay. August. She was born in or hatched, excuse me, in July. She had been assist fed to Dale pinks before I got her. Mm-hmm. So that was August. So Daytona was like, what, August 20th? Yep. She didn't eat for me until the second week in January. Oh, wow. Didn't lose a speck wow. of weight. She drank. She pooped. She shed. I mean, I don't even know what she was pooping out. There was nothing for her to poop out, but <laughs> she did it. Amazing. But at what uh, point were you like, okay, she's fine? Well, this, like so this how was. How many weeks had passed? Right around, right around Thanksgiving, uh, the one and only Chris Panchab told me, he's like, dude, cool her down. Give her a winter. You know, I know it's hard because of South Florida and everything. He's like, mm-hmm. give her a winter, even if it's 10 degrees. And then when you bring her back, she'll know it's time to eat. So I was like, all right, I'll do that. And I did not bring her out. I cooled her down into, I put her in my living room, which is like 71, 70 for all through Christmas and into the second week in January. And I literally took a live Dale pink and I just put it in there and she scarfed it in front of me. Nice. And nice. I kept her at 70 degrees, 71 degrees, no heat, no light, no nothing. Just the crushed, the crushed toilet paper and paper towel rolls to make all the little nooks and crannies, a mm-hmm. big giant water dish. And that's it. And dude, she eats everything up in front of her. That's fantastic. So, I mean, I've yeah. probably got five years before she'll be big enough to produce. Anything, but, <laughs> right. yeah. but, I, but I've got, I got a pair of pyros from reputable breeders that are stellar looking. I really love high black. So I mean, me too, dude, buddy. They're, they're textbook, they're textbook specimens to me, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm having fun with it. Ah, that's awesome, man. That's definitely a species that I'd like to get get back into sometime soon. <laughs> I did get a pair of Santa Rita locality from Scales and Tails of Ohio. Sweet. And man, they came in and they were solid for me. Um, I, I had I had a Justin situation where one got out of a rack, <laughs> and. Um, I did end up finding it, but the the little fellow was super dehydrated and just didn't bounce back from that really well. Um, so I was left with the one, and then just out of the blue one day, I was in here checking on my animals, and she had rolled too, and I was super ah. bummed about that. Yeah, uh, but they're oh gosh, beautiful animals, and I'm I'm on the same page as you. Those high black pyros, I oh, love. Oh it. yeah, absolutely love it. Well, so the girl came from Fire Horse. And okay. uh, it wasn't, forgive me for not remembering the guy's names. Mm-hmm. Firehorse does some fantastic colubrids, really good. Yeah, they do. And the main guy, I guess he has a friend that they c- collaborate on breeding projects. And mm-hmm. from what I gather, the friend is who bred my female. Okay. And dude, like, I mean, just a flawless specimen. And I'm oh. so happy that like Chris told me to chill her out yeah. because like, like she's going to be the flagship King snake for me. For in, my, yeah. in my group, you know, right on. So, I'd imagine those those do probably prefer the cooler temps. Mm-hmm. Given, oh yeah, natural totally. yeah. That absolutely. Sense. Yeah, yeah, and I think that once uh, once they're bigger, because right now they're in uh, crap. Is it sixteen quarts? I think they're in sixteen quarts now. Once they're big enough to, I don't know, do a span the whole tub, if you will, mm-hmm. I'll probably make my own like half ass Appleton cages. <laughs> and like because billy and i have been talking about like kind of making our own thing and billy really wants to work with some wood stuff so i don't know nice. where i'll be when that happens but if i can make something like that and do the two different climates yep i think that'll be that'll be the way to do it yeah no, shit it worked for him man you know yeah yeah exactly 
but yeah, Pyro's You gotta good. wonder if that's sort of part of the like what makes them work so well for for those guys was they had that setup, you know, yeah. just yeah. a single. You know, maybe that was a big part of the the, the equation for getting them going. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And I really think that, the, like, of all the species that we talk about, rock crevices and escarpments and stuff like that, to me, all the people I've talked to, all the ones I've seen in captivity, because I've yet to see one in the wild, mm-hmm. it is straight up a thin rock crevice snake, 100%. Dude, all those things do is go in and out of the tiniest, tiny little micro gap of toilet paper rolls. And they yep. literally just go in and out of them. It's great. And I, I love the toilet paper and the paper towel rolls because I'll take a paper towel roll, I'll rip it in thirds and just mm-hmm. smush it. And when perfect. they get soiled, I throw them away. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. They're perfect. I, I love it's, those things. It's also amazing because you don't realize how much toilet paper and paper towels you actually use until oh, you yeah. save them all. Oh, yeah. You, you know what I mean? And you're like, holy oh. crap. Yep, a lot, of, a lot of toilet paper. Jesus, <laughs> I've started doing the same thing. I'll even do it at work. Like if if I see an empty toilet paper roll, or if I finish one out, I'm like, all right, you're coming with me. And then yeah. I'm, I'm walking out of the bathroom holding these toilet paper rolls, and I'm sure people well, are like, what the, the trick is you flatten <laughs> you go to the doctor. <laughs> the trick is you flatten them down at work, and ah, put them in your yeah. back pocket. Yep, there you go. And then it just looks like a wallet. <laughs> yeah, no, that's and awesome. they all fall out, and everyone wonders what the hell you're doing. Well, so I had a I had a, a a big deli cup, and I was just stuffing them in the deli cup, flattening them, stuffing them, nice. right? And I, and I got full, so I was like, all right, I'll just get a rubber band, and I'll rubber band like you know thirty or forty of them together, how many or so like this. Mm-hmm. And I walked out of the room for something. Weeks, weeks, weeks go by, and I hear my dog go, Rawr! and I was like, what the hell happened to him? And I go back. And the rubber band had snapped, and the toilet paper rolls went <laughs> everywhere. And there was just like forty or fifty. And my dog's like, "I did not do this. This did not. I had nothing. I didn't touch it." <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, but yeah, did man, you, I think uh, what's that? I was gonna. I was gonna tell Derek if ask him if he knew that you hated Porthidium. I don't hate Portadium. I don't hate the Portadium. Mm-hmm. I uh, I think they're awesome. If I was keeping Venomous, Portadium would definitely be in my top five in terms of like genre. Mm-hmm. They're really, just like they're, meh. they're, they're really like cool snakes. They want to be Calisolasma. Uh huh. They're just they're just not for me, man. You know, like dude, I tried my hand at them. Yeah. I had some juvenile aspers at one point. Mm-hmm. Not for me. Mm-hmm. And I think it was more so like. They were pains in the ass as babies, and I'm like, I don't want to deal with this thing when it's seven foot. Like, in what way were they pains? They don't ride a hook. You can't tail them. They strike at everything in their mother, but then don't eat. Like, it just wasn't for me. It just wasn't for me. And uh, I did. And the one, the one South American species that I really, really wanted to work was mm-hmm. Honduran jumpers. Oh, dude. And I got some from our mutual friend, mm-hmm. you know, the bright pink, and. The thing didn't eat for like six months. That and like, female never dropped, did she? She she was never. I don't think she was ever gravid. That wow. was the straw that broke the camel's. I was like, this chick Damn. never dropped. She never ate. She never pooped. She shed mm-hmm. once. I was like, sold. Bye bye. Yeah. We don't uh, have so any see, room for new world bitters in this house. Ah, jumpers. Jumpers have been on my short list for a while, and I just. 
That's this. And dude, like the Olmecs are gorgeous, man. Yeah. Dude, Olmecs are stellar, man. It's a stellar snake, dude. And they're nowhere near as nuts as some of the Mexican stuff. But right. I just, I just, me and New World just haven't really clicked. Let me rephrase that. Me and South America just really haven't clicked. And, you know, diehard arid species, man. Like, dude, everything I have now is either stepland grassland or straight Mm -hmm. up desert. So at least for them and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which, as we all know. know, if everything comes from a similar climate, that makes the room. Oh, it does. Oh, how it does. Yeah. Yeah. What's your how? What's your feelings on Porthidium, there, Ofri Daddy? Oh, dude, I I love my pair. It was kind. It was never a species that was on my radar, as far as keeping goes. Um, and then of course, Phil, our mutual friend, hit me up as he tends to do. Just when I, it's like he has an instinct that I've got uh, some extra money. Yeah, you know. Of course. And, um, and it's always it's always the famous hey man i got an extra one of these i don't want this thing do you want it and you're like of course i want it and then you're like what did i just do yep and so he he hits me up and he's like yeah, i've got these you know would you be interested and i was like you know what i don't really know anything about them um so i looked into them a little bit and i was like wow these are actually really cool snakes and they kind of fit in with what i'm i'm really interested in which is you sure. know the new world south american stuff that isn't super super common Right. Um, so I, I pulled the trigger and, uh, it's always an adventure as you know. Um, so one of the two shipped, and then eventually the other one did show up and they were a lot of fun. I was super surprised uh, at the size difference of the pair. The female was definitely a fresh Neo and the, the male, not so much. Um, but I've had really good luck with them. I enjoy keeping them. Um, they slant, <laughs> famous term they slant they slammed pinks for me nice. um, nev- yeah never never had a problem with them and i really truly enjoy keeping the species um it's something that i've considered getting more of at some point uh it's just not super high on the priorities for me right now and i know there are a couple other other species um of hognose vipers that are absolutely stunning that people are working with that you know maybe one day uh that's just kind of they're kind of a back burner species that i just enjoy to work with and, and look at in the room yeah man like like i said dude they're cool animals i mean oh, yeah. I, put them, I put them in the same realm as the jumpers man but mm-hmm. it just wasn't do adults get that big no nah, i mean they're relatively no small. they're small Phil's yeah. over here talking about seven footers and stuff and i don't no no no, no that's the asper oh, yeah i was like what yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no these guys are pretty small but um <laughs> and it was funny. I, I was told they're like they're like South American pygmy rattlesnakes. Just keep it. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, not not quite. Not quite. Not, but not quite. They're, they're cool. Dude, snakes, I would uh, say that all are more pygmy than than Porthidium. Yeah. Okay. And come to think of it, I've never seen like an adult big Olmac, so I don't know if either am I. I don't know if it stays that person that, that pygmy personality, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't. I, I think that of the South American stuff, the terrestrial mm-hmm. stuff does appeal to me more than the arboreal, of despite course. how gorgeous like our furs are and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's just it not, nothing really like. I always use this term like smacked me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just yeah. Like I've, I've tried it a couple things, and it just didn't do it. And I, I really do think it's a tropical thing too, man. And like, right. there's very little arid species. Like, for example, uh, I kept uh, Uracoan for a while. Okay. And dude, like that was great, man. A grassland rattlesnake, you mm-hmm. know, high altitude, you know, really pretty. But 
yeah, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. And I think, you know, we all go through species that we think we're super sure. into and you keep them and you know yeah. what, maybe, maybe these weren't the best. Get disenchanted. Yep. Yeah, and I, I think that's, yeah. that's how everyone sort of finds their thing though. Like it does, that's it takes it. time, yeah. you know, it's like, sure. I've gone through plenty of things like the tannin bar is a good example. Like mm-hmm. yeah. I enjoyed it. It was cool to have it. I'm kind of glad I don't anymore, mm-hmm. you know, but now I know like scrubs just really ain't my thing. And that's like, you whittle it down as you get older. I think it's, it's absolutely sure. Sort of sure. like as you, you grow older and you have kids and stuff like your partying days, you know, <laughs> like no longer do you want to go and get oh, yeah. based on a Saturday night. And instead it's like hanging out, watching a movie, passing out at like 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. it just you, you figure out what you like as you as you go on. Same with cigars, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, no. In the absolutely. in the grand scheme of things, I really haven't been keeping reptiles that long, especially compared to a lot of my friends. Um, so the fact that I have in a really short time period, I feel like gone through such vast collection changes. I'm like, man, it, is it is it me? But um, well, no, it's, I to it's nice you, to hear that. Other I people. wanted to give you props because. I mean, I'm not, I'm not picking on you. You're, you're oh, a young yeah. guy. You, you have not been doing venomous that long, but the time that you have, you've gotten a world of, oh, of knowledge and experience. And I, I was talking to Nipper about this recently, and mm-hmm. we were saying how there's so many individuals in both North America and Europe that mm-hmm. have, don't have nearly the opportunities that individuals like yourself and myself that have in terms of vastness of species technique mm-hmm. husbandry tactics like mm-hmm. you know you've learned so much from all the different mentors and different facilities that you've worked at both private and you know yep. professional that when you got your license and this is i don't know if this is a florida thing because we have our license structure the way that it is but when you mm-hmm. got your license you didn't go crazy and buy four gaboons and five monocle cobras and you know 15 different you know Mm -hmm. squams and -hmm. like i'm proud of you that you didn't do that because so many individuals i feel feel bad for they they bite off more than they can chew because they've been waiting for this day for so long and they're like now i have it now i could do it you know you did not do that you took your time you focused on things and i'm sure you bought stuff that you're like oh this is cool and then you're like wait a minute i gotta get rid of this this isn't for me yeah no doubt uh i I appreciate that thank you i really do yeah man yeah Uh, that was always something my my first venomous mentor was uh the director for the rattlesnake conservancy and he kind of at the early on kind of beat it into my head that you know when the license happens don't be that guy that goes out and buys everything under the sun so that was always like in the back of my head that you know try try not to be that guy which is easier said than done Um, but i I say it all the time i am super lucky to just have the experience that i have because i got to train under people like tony who runs the rattlesnake conservancy and is a great venomous keeper and i got a lot of experience working wild animals at the ashton biological preserve and chase Pertle out there is just uh, oh gosh he's incredible an incredible mentor and then moving 15 minutes up the road from cody and pia i just it, honestly it's luck you know well, that, how, how I met and all these- the the spectrum of species that you've been able to work with too like you've been able to work with stuff that that not a lot of people get get time with yeah, no, and that's or have uh, even seen in person. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm super fortunate for that too, because before jumping in with Cody and Pia, most of my experience was working 
native stuff or North American stuff. Um, Tony did have some exotic things that I worked with some, some Cobras and whatnot that were a lot of fun. Um, but just jumping in with Cody and Pia and my, my first day handling at RPI, it was, it was black Mambas and it opened up a whole new door for me, but getting the experience of working with such a vast array of species, particularly at RPI, I got to scratch that itch of, you know what? Puffs and gaboons are beautiful snakes, but I don't want to keep them. I don't want to keep Kuthia. You know, I, I don't want to keep Palida. They're all incredible snakes, but I've, I've got my fill of them and I, I know what I'm into and I'm just going to dive right into that. Well, that's actually a really good sort of filtering sort of effect too. Cause when, you know, you might like red spitters mm -hmm. until you have to work a rack of 20 of them and they're <laughs> yes. small. And then you're like, okay, these things aren't nearly as awesome as I thought they were. Like you get a real, real feel for some of these species and what it's like to have to deal with them. And that I think really helps whittle down what you really want to keep and what you mm -hmm. know you don't. And then it's also knowing your limits. Like we've yep. talked about that a lot. Like just because you have your license and you're excited, don't go grab a Mamba. If you don't yeah, like exactly. dealing with Mambas, like exactly. I know if I ever kept exotic venomous, like I, I have zero desire to keep a lapids. You know, yeah. I, I really, do, I like cobras and stuff like that. Like they're cool and all, but I just, I'm, I'm an arboreal guy. I like mm -hmm. the smaller stuff. So like Bothriacus, Atheris, you know, all that, that smaller stuff that just sits on a hook and mm -hmm. owns it. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. I can deal with that. But you know, like Bothrops and stuff too. I have zero, I would, I would have zero desire to keep any of the Bothrops. Um, you know, not Bothriopsis. It's different. Right. Right. Different, <laughs> different animal. No, Orthidium uh, maybe. Uh, honestly, <laughs> if somebody, if somebody gave me, like, I mean, gave me, like, I don't want to pay for it. If somebody gave me Insularis, mm -hmm. I would, I would work with them on just because of the, the story and how cool it is. And oh, I, yeah, I, no doubt. I would do that. Yeah. That would be no cool. doubt. What story? I, what's the story? The Snake Island in Brazil. What? Oh, I'm thinking yeah. of Komodo. Oh, no, 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 no. no. I was like, what? Bothrops, not Tremorsus. Yeah, I got, yeah, that I got. But yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's funny you said I'm not much of an Alapid guy either. I've, I've acclimated my hours for the Alapid endorsement. Um, one day I'll get around to just adding that to the license. It's just not, it's not really something I'm super into. And it's, it's funny. I actually got asked the other day by one of the, uh, one of my fellow interns at RPI. He was like, you know what, Derek, I know you're more of a Viper guy, but if you could keep any Alapid, what would it be? And my answer surprised him because I said rinks. I absolutely yeah. love the rinks. Man. There it is. So much fun. There it is. So I'm super stoked that that's the species you're really diving into, Phil. Because I yeah, I'm man, trying to keep up with what you're doing with those. And dude, it, it's been a it's been a very very bumpy road, and yeah. I've learned yeah. A lot. Like I thought that I knew the species fairly well mm -hmm. until I kept different localities. Which, I mean, for those of you who are unfamiliar, South Africa is a very, very vast country with totally different landscapes. Like, we we think South Africa, you know, we think Serengeti. It's literally as wide as a continent. Yeah, yeah literally as top. wide as, yeah. And there's so many different ecosystems, whether, and, and despite Rinkles being a primarily grassland species, like, there, for example, I have one animal that I believe came, uh, they refer to it as a Kokstad locality. I believe that it actually came uh, probably 100 or 200 miles west, which is mountainous foothills where they get snow. And, like, people don't think, like, oh, they think elephants. It's like, no, no, this mountain locked terrain 
with no vegetation other than, you know, spear tip grass. And it's getting 30 degrees, you know, every night for four months straight. But it was a big learning curve for me. I had a lot of hiccups still going through a full run every single mm-hmm. day. So I, I appreciate that you say that, but I think it's going to take, that's why I wanted to wait this year. just take two adults and be like, here, make babies. Really right. Fun. Yeah, you're muffled for some reason. Am I here? Am I good? Yeah. Much better. All right. So, yeah, you're good. You're Sounds good. Right. Yeah, so it, it's it's a learning experience forever, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I love that you're focusing on the Ofries the way that I'm focusing on the rinks. And Justin's focusing on, you know, the uh, Jansen eye. And oh, yeah. We, we get these, these, Obset- I don't want to say obsessions, but for lack of a better word, we get these obsessions with these individual species, mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of it. I, really I think part of it is there's a mystery to them too. Oh, absolutely. Like there's not a ton of people who who are, you know, all in on rinks. There's not a there's, there's yeah. very few people that are all in on no freeze. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. there's like a sort of a, a, a uncharted territory kind of aspect to it. Like with the Jansen eye too. It's it's mm-hmm. like, what. Are, how come these are coming in such large numbers and no one's really breeding them? Like what's the missing, the missing link. And yeah, right. Right. Uh, and with and the rinks though, when you have those Northern, those, those more mountainous ones, are they typically darker than, than the one? No. And, and I'm, I'm convinced that I'm convinced that there is a slight, and I do say slight, a slight seasonal dimorphism, much like fear snakes, you know, uh, inland taipans where you have a summer color and a winter color mm-hmm. because my girls, I didn't cool them, but hmm. they knew that it was November and they knew. And despite being, oh. I'm convinced they're imports. Let's be real here. Yeah. Um, it, despite them being captive, captive bred and mm-hmm. being flown across the world, they're in a different hemisphere, but they knew that it was changing outside. And even though I didn't change temps, I didn't change lighting or nothing. I, I was going to, slowly mess with the lights to kind of give them some kind of you know seasonal cycle they darkened they got real dark almost almost like ugly and i was like oh man maybe this is a vitamin deficiency or something and then sure as hell like march 3rd they shed boom back to normal and i was like oh, it's seasonal nice write this down in the notebook so like oh, little cool. things like that man is is it's awesome and and dude you said it earlier like Yes, other people have ofries in North America or in in the U.S. I should say, but they don't necessarily have a group like you do. And like same thing with me, I know lots of people that keep rinks, but I don't know if anyone has a group like mine. You know what I mean? And Justin, lots of people keep bairds, but they have a pair here, they have a pair there. They don't have an army like Justin. So, <laughs> I think that if you really love that species yep. and you really want to focus on that species, that that's that's a great way to do it. Though I will say I have slimmed down on some of those just because I have sort of my select pairs and it's like if I want more I'll just make more which is what I'm currently doing mm-hmm. like working on yeah so uh, I was just t- I was telling Derek too before we started there was a uh, the Loma Alta gave me your prelay shed so she's oh, sweet. definitely gravid she's looking apart so she her and the girl that I paired to my hypo my biggest hypo male uh, she should be laying soon. And so now we should be waiting on the the clutch from the Lomas. And I'm hoping, speaking to Jance and I, that I have another clutch coming from her. 
because she nice. shed not that long ago. I, I wrote it down. I got to check and see the calendar, see how far we're out. I try to time it around that, you know, two-ish week mark to check the box and stuff and make sure there's nothing waiting for me. So Awesome. Nice. We'll so, see. Derek, are you going to get the Elapid endorsement? At some point, yes. Um, I may wait to see what the regulations are going to do because I'm, I'm kind of timid to try and add something on right now and then just something weird happen. Um, I just kind of want to fly under the radar and be a good responsible keeper for as long as well, everything's I mean, going on. It, the way that I look at it is you don't have to keep the animals to have the right. Lessons. So I would get as many endorsements as humanly possible as fast as possible. And that yeah. way, at least you have it on paper. That, like, that that's a good point too. Do you have um, any, of the, any of the other ones or no? No, right now I'm just the period. Uh, I've got hours for a lap a day and that's all I'm good for right now. Um, I could work towards uh, Gila Derma. I just, once again, I love those animals. I love Gila's. I love beaded lizards, but uh, just uh, acclimating 500 hours of those. It's just not something that right now is a high priority for me. And sure. I don't know anyone local to me that I could get colubrid hours under, which once again, that's, that's fair. There's not really any colubrids that I'm yeah. like, dying to have. Um, I get it. I get it. But you know, you, that, that's a good point. And I really should get around to submitting my lap at hours. Cause I've got a friend who works for Carl and Mara at uh, M toxins venom lab. And he, uh, is I met him wrong. No, his name is Max, and I, oh, okay. I love this kid to death. Um, I met him right after he turned 18. He took a training course with the Rattlesnake Conservancy, and he was bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, active herper. Does, does Max, is he a, a stocky white guy with glasses? He is not. He okay. is not a white I know guy. The, I know the Max you're talking about. Okay. Cool. Okay. All Dude, right. I, I love Max so much. He's a great kid. He honestly still inspires me because his passion is so strong, and I got yeah, to, I got to see him at Get Buzz for Buzztails this past weekend, but we talked pretty regularly. And um, working under Carl and Mara, he's now got at least 500 hours to take the test and apply for the permit. And they told him that, hey, you know, with everything going on, get that permit before you can't. Um, so I've been helping him out with that, but that just kind of ties in that I need to submit these elapid hours before yeah. I can. Yeah. God forbid. God forbid. Oh, man. Yeah, because uh, the, the colubrid one's tough. But I'm sure I really I the Gila one, if you skip the Gila, you skip the Gila. You know what I mean? But yeah. I really feel like a, a well-rounded individual such as yourself, such as yourself, should mm -hmm. have the Lapid and should have the Colubrid because you never know what's going to happen in terms mm -hmm. of what's going to be presented to you. And That's someone true. could say, hey, man, I have this group of Boyga or I have this group of Just all of this. Yeah. And you yeah. may say, you know what? screw it i want to do it let's do it yeah. you know and yeah. now that i've actually been looking for rhabdophis and certain key species and mm -hmm. there is none you know and uh i think i'm just basically going to keep that in the on the back burner and okay. like we talked about earlier if something presents itself i'll jump mm -hmm. on it i really want stilettos like i really really want stilettos so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna talk to some of our mutual friends and yes uh, yes and uh, go from there so very nice yeah you know i'm not gonna lie uh fascination will put up some death adders every now and then and i'm like would love to jump on those but you know right now cannot until that yeah but the price is crazy right now man oh dude no, death are so nice. expensive right now so expensive so expensive 
Absolutely. Me- meanwhile, you know, Hendog's got this army of friends in Southeast Asia, and he's constantly sending me pictures like, oh, look, look what my buddy just dug out of the canal, you know? And it's like, oh, son of a bitch. Man. Oh, man. The internet. The internet. It is. It is. But yeah, you definitely got to get that done. Uh, yeah, I'll have to make sure I do that. RPI is now doing some courses, right? And you're going to be yes so involved in the in the the teaching slash training of those i am and i'm i'm glad you bring that up so it's something that uh rpi is officially launching we've got our first course coming up this saturday and it's going to be kind of a uh a small number of people trial run just to get get our feet wet because it's just i've realized in my time away from uh working as a paid employee with the rattlesnake conservancy that teaching people is something that i'm very passionate about so is safety um and being responsible so i like the idea of working with rpi and trying to promote a culture of safety and responsible keeping because when i first got into venomous keeping what did i do i i worked some rattlesnakes with my mentors and then i went to youtube and who's on youtube not really many responsible people um, so I, I like the idea of doing training courses with RPI that focus on captive management and just kind of build a solid foundation of being safe and being responsible. Um, and, you know, I'm super excited to see where things go right now. I've hammered out the curriculum for an entry level course. Just one day covers all the basics of someone who wants to get into keeping or working with venomous snakes in a private setting or you know, maybe going into a zoological institution. Um, and But from there, we're going to advance those because I've already got outlines for courses that are, you know, for a lapids and I've got an advanced a lapid course that I'm interested in writing a curriculum for as well. And then, you know, a viper class, big vipers, maybe something more specific for arboreal stuff. You know, the, the future is bright for what Cody and Pia have going on out there. And I'm excited to be a part of it for as long as I can. Uh, I'm, I'm working really hard to get all these curriculums nailed out just because if things do work out with my career in fish and wildlife, I may have to temporarily relocate. Um, Mm -hmm. so I may not be around to help out too much. So I'm just, I'm trying to get the ball rolling with that. And I'm super excited to see where things go. That's cool, man. Let me ask how, how many days are they going to do it? Is it going to be like a once a week thing or is it going to be like three days in a row or what? So it, it kind of all depends right now, as we're just kind of diving into it, we've got the introductory course that is just a one day and it's going to be, you know, course classroom stuff, lunch and a tour of the facility end of the day with some very basic handling techniques. So people can get that photo op that everyone signs up for these classes for is it the, the grip and grin. Shot? The yeah. Wanker shot. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the the grip, <laughs> grip and grin. Yep. Um, but as we start developing these more advanced courses, we're looking at uh, not as big a number of students. So small, more intimate courses that last, you know, a couple days, maybe maybe two or three days, especially with the number of animals they have and the variety of species they have. If we really want people to get their, their money's worth, you know, we want to make sure that they're, you know, getting getting their money's worth. I mean, one thing that I try to look at is 
croc school that aza puts on at the alligator farm every year that is a week-long course it is a deep dive into captive management natural history biology anatomy and physiology of crocodilians so i kind of envision at some point you know having courses that are laid out like that and you know the dream would be because there's no standard for venomous keeping in the aza maybe having a venom week or something like that for for the aza to kind Which of standardize rising they don't i agree i was very it's such a protocol group yeah you know well, yeah, there's, there's there is stuff on our side of the fence in mm-hmm. the works mm-hmm. so it's gonna be great to see what comes out in the next few months if not the, the year and how we can all collaborate and add to it Absolutely. I'm so, I'm super excited to see more people doing this kind of stuff because, I mean, yeah. obviously the Rattlesnake Conservancy, they're super established in their courses. Um, RPI, I know you've talked about uh, they do handling classes down at Underground. The, the more people we have doing this kind of stuff, the more people that get into the industry, the more we will be able to stand up to regulation changes and things like that. We just we, we need to be responsible about it. We need numbers. We need people to show up. We need people to to be responsible and pre- present the industry in a positive light. And I'm, I'm super excited for the future. Yeah. I think it's great that you guys, I mean, obviously a one day course is a necessity to a certain extent. Right. But there's only so much, there's, there's only so much that you can teach in a day. Yes. And there's only so much that the individual can retain in yes. a day. And that's why going back to Croc school, the week long seminars, right. That's great because you can subliminally, Mm-hmm. Do you can do subliminal repetition, mm-hmm. right? And you you have your your mental checklist that you go over every single time you do something. You go one through five, right? Yep. Okay, and then we, hey, who knows one through five? All right, cool. Let's go five through ten. You know, or six through ten. How are we going to do it? And mm-hmm. I feel like a week of that burning it in your mind over and over and over and over again. That's mm-hmm. a really great way to to get started. But Absolutely. I feel like the biggest problem with doing the one day courses is people forget stuff man it's so much to get thrown at you all at once yes, and that's it why it's such a great thing to that and i even i want to say a great thing it's it's a it's a necessity to put it in the person's mind how great this is that they got to come back and they got to keep doing it and and that's the i'm also looking at this from a business perspective as well cuz uh, rpi is now officially a 501c3 nonprofit um and it's very, very hard to raise money for reptile conservation, especially when you're working with venomous reptiles and crocodilians. So I, I'm trying to think of different ways for them to bring in funds. So people come in, they take this one day course, they get just a taste of it. And then they're like, man, I want to come back. I want to do more. I want to I want to come check this place out, maybe on on a, a tour, bring my family, take more classes and just bring in more revenue to the organization. Um, because, you know, my experience with the Rattlesnake Conservancy is I feel like going to be a really big benefit to RPI uh, because I've, I've been through those trials, those tribulations and seen what it takes to grow a nonprofit. And I, I just think what they're doing out there in, in old Melrose, Florida has a lot of really good potential. Um, but that's that's kind of the whole idea with the one day intro courses. I feel like it'll be a good way to people will either solidify that, you know what? Yes, this is something that I want to go through and do. 
or it'll it'll weed out those folks that are like, you know what, this is I'm I'm biting off more than I can chew. I don't want to do all this, and it it weeds those people out too. Yeah. So I'm yeah I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's a mini gauntlet. I like it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And is absolutely. it going to be one of those things where you have to go through the first class to be able to go into like a second class? Exactly. So the introductory course will be a prerequisite to doing more advanced courses with RPI. Um, cause we just want everyone to have that base knowledge. And, uh, you know, we understand that we'll get people that come and take this course that may have never worked with a venomous snake before in their life. So we do want to break the ice and get their feet wet with something that maybe isn't, you know, exotic, you know, come in, work a pygmy rattlesnake, break the ice, see how you're going to react. Cause I- I've seen it multiple multiple times where someone has never worked with a snake or never even been that close to a venomous snake before and they get it on a hook and they just start panicking so (laughs) we would rather you break the ice with something like a pygmy or a copperhead than a puff you know so that's that's kind of my idea as far as that goes as well that'll be the prereq and then like my my idea for far future when we're talking about a lapid courses is obviously you know there's i want to break it up into a there is no beginner course, but like a level one and a level two, like level two will clearly be the more advanced species. Yeah, there's, and more advanced there's, techniques. there's, there's a hundred percent multiple levels of a lapids because your smaller stuff, oh, yes, there, there is no tailing it. You know what I mean? And the, oh, protocol, yeah, exactly. the protocol is going to be the same regardless. It's just, how are you mm-hmm. approaching the individual yep. specimen and or species? So yep. yeah, I think that's, that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, so I'm I'm super. First aid going to be involved in any of it? Yes. So that's part of the curriculum that I have for like the the basic introductory courses. We're just going to go over general first aid and protocols for envenomation. Uh, We'll brush on like, hey, you know, if you're keeping and working with this species, look for this. Alpha dendrotoxins will do this to your body. Three finger toxins will do this. Uh, Just a broad overview. But when we break down the courses into more specific grouping, we will really hammer like, okay, this group of animals, these are the more common toxins that you're going to run into. This is what's going to happen. This is the treatment you need to seek. These are the anti-venoms because that's, it's all part of being a responsible keeper. You know, you Mm -hmm. need to know that stuff. And is there any plans to do any like local law enforcement? I would love to. I I would absolutely love to. Um, I know with the Rattlesnake Conservancy, they have a first responder grant program. Uh, My time with them, we taught courses at various like uh, fire departments uh, for a couple of different law enforcement agencies. Um, And it it really worked out well for the Rattlesnake Conservancy because their course is more geared towards relocations and working with native venomous Mm -hmm. reptiles in the wild and our first responders they wear a lot of hats you know someone calls 911 because there's a rattlesnake on their patio they're usually going to dispatch out an officer or maybe even a firefighter and you know we see it on facebook all the time police officer with a noose around this big ass rattlesnake holding it up in the air uh, you know, that's the TRC's goal is to help prevent that from happening. Um, and I would love to be able to see something like that happen with RPI and with their courses. Uh, however, I, I just that'll take a little bit more fine tuning. I don't want to step mm-hmm. on the toes of what TRC is doing because yeah. I love that organization and they're handling that kind of stuff really well. Maybe more of what I'm thinking for RPI is uh, agencies that govern the captive management of venomous reptiles. So like 
Florida Fish and Wildlife, maybe get some investigators or some commissioners or some high brass to come take a class, learn, you know, what exactly they're getting involved with. Um, and, you know, uh, I've taught classes to the uh, Venom One team down in Miami with the Rattlesnake Conservancy, and that was a lot of fun. They loved the class. Um, but getting them some exotic experience as well, I feel like would be super beneficial. So that, there's a lot of a lot of lofty goals, but I'm I think it's all doable. Well, especially if you take, do it at RPI and be like, "Look, this yeah. is how this is how it's done." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is this is what they should all look like. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's funny. Really have to be as pretty on the inside. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um during one of my my sit downs with the captain with FWC, and we were talking about kind of my goals and my ideas and things that I kind of want to chase and work towards. Um, clearly with my experience in the private sector and in the zoo sector um, is management of captive wildlife. So I'd really like to work into an investigator two position with them, which is basically the guy that goes around and inspects facilities, whether it be private or zoo, uh, just because I feel like, you know, the agency is a great agency, a lot of amazing officers. I've got a lot of really good friends within the agency, but, they're great officers, but they're not all great wildlife people. And, you know, they need some more of that. And we were talking specifically that they have investigators that work at the major ports in Florida that are inspecting wildlife that's going in and moving out of the state. And they may be looking at animals that they had never even heard of before. And, you know, it just kind of, it's, it's something that I'd like to be able to contribute to with RPI's training courses is these guys that are checking boxes that are full of, you know, it may be a crate full of ball pythons or it may be a crate full of rhino vipers and gaboons. You know, these guys want to be a fly on that wall. <laughs> yeah. See all yeah. the crazy shit they see. Oh, dude, I, I, I tried really hard to get one of my ride alongs to be at a port <laughs> doing that. Uh, well, see, and that that's very interesting because that's something that I've been waiting to ask, wanting to ask you. And, mm -hmm. you know, I I had thought about doing a career such as yours. Mm -hmm. And it was brought to my attention many moons ago mm -hmm. that, and again, this, I don't want to, let me clear my throat. Excuse me. I don't want to, I don't want to speak in definites. I don't mm -hmm. want to speak in finites, whatever you want to call it. Of course. But it was brought to my attention that certain agencies mm -hmm. that govern animals, such as the ones that we work with. Mm -hmm their 21st century view of a officer or an agent is not that of someone who is passionate about the animals. Mm -hmm. For example, you get a job with fish and wildlife and you are a veteran offshore fisherman, right? Mm -hmm. And that's like your thing, right? Mm -hmm. You know everything about boats. You know everything about offshore fishing. You know every tool, every trick, every species. You know you know yeah. too much, right? Yeah. And you're an officer and you pull over a boat of weekend fishermen people and mm -hmm. they have a, a, a dolphin, a mahi-mahi, right? Mm -hmm. And you say, hey, man, that's a really great looking mahi-mahi. But to be honest, I, I could tell just by looking at it, you're like two or three inches too short on regulation. Look, guys. We'll give you I'm half not, of it if you leave us I, alone. Well, no, no, no. It's, it's like, <laughs> look, I know this is this is a really big deal. You know, the 10-year-old the got it on the line. Mm -hmm. It's their first, or a first uh, dolphin. Look, don't let this happen again. You know, mm -hmm. B 
be mindful of the inches. If it looks too small, take your picture, throw it back, whatever. No, that's not what they want. They want the guy or the gal who's going to say, that fish is two inches too short. Here's your nose to appear in court. We're impounding your boat and your trailer. Done. And that goes for hunting. If you're a hunter, if you're a turkey hunter, they're not going to they're not going to put you in a, a management area that's known for turkey because they don't want that. They want a mindless drone that's going to say that bird's beard is too short. Here's a five hundred dollar fine. Mm-hmm. Here's a thousand dollar fine. I'm taking your truck. You know. And when it comes to the snakes, they don't necessarily want someone who knows about snakes. They want someone who knows statutes and laws who says, mm-hmm. "Hey, there is dirt in that water dish. Here's a five hundred dollar fine." And now with our new proposed regulations, it could be way mm-hmm. worse than that. So yeah, how yeah. did you feel talking to the individuals that you talked to? And I don't want to say, am I right? But mm-hmm. like, was that vibe there? Were you I looked think, at in a negative light because you're passionate about animals? I think you bring up some really good points. Um, and I would like to think that the agency has changed a lot in the past, you know, maybe 20 years. Um, thankfully with the individuals that I've been fortunate enough to spend time with, that's not a vibe that I necessarily picked up on. Um, interestingly enough, a lot of the people that I've, I've sat down with, I've done ride alongs with, they all thought that where my passions were, were, were fascinating and they were excited. They're like, you know what? That's awesome. And I, there's a, a spot for you within this agency. Um, granted when it comes to high brass and people that are making those kinds of decisions, uh, my experience with those individuals is a bit more limited. Um, but it just, I, I got a really good feeling that, you know, that may be where, where I end up. Um, I'm hoping I do get in with the agency. I've been working for this for quite a while now. Um, but that just, that kind of, that vibe that, you know, oh wait, you you know too much about this kind of stuff. Let's put you say if I'm if I'm an offshore fisherman, let's put you in a landlocked county instead. Uh, that's not necessarily something that I really really picked up on based on my experiences with various off, officers and investigators. Um, so I I I hope that I'm not being too naive about all this. I hope that I don't go in and become extremely jaded. Um, yeah, and, and I've I've had my inspectors on countless mm-hmm. occasions when it's been brought up, and they were like, "Yeah, man, you know, you individuals like myself or what we're what we need because we don't know all this stuff, and you guys do on your own accord. Nobody Absolutely. has to pay you to learn it. You know, you guys enjoy it. But back in say 2009, when I spoke to a mm-hmm. recruiter, that mm-hmm. recruiter flat out told me, "Do not tell FWC that you have." A venomous license do not tell them that you mm-hmm. go herping do not tell them that you you know what i mean like obviously yeah. they're going to see that you have a fishing license but they don't look up you know captain right. wildlife and they're like he's like don't tell them that stuff don't tell them. that's a deterrent it, it's funny yeah. you mentioned that because that was actually brought up in my interview uh, I, I had my interview a couple of months ago and um i brought up the fact because obviously i'm trying to sell myself as best as i can sure, so i'm like course, course. I, I know so much about the agency i'm actually a license holder for this this and this um so that also brought up the question oh well if you needed to give up your license uh because it's a conflict of interest is that something you'd be willing to do and that really that definitely caught me off guard because i personally know investigators that are vrc holders yeah, um, exactly, hundred percent. So, and and I also course. I also know investigators who were VRC ah, holders yes. and let their licenses lapse and thought, oh, yes. I'm a fish and wildlife guy. I don't need a license, and it backfired and bit them in the ass royally. So, 
yeah um so that was definitely an interesting question uh that i wasn't yeah. totally prepared for but you know of course like i said selling myself said what i need to say um and how they, they receive it really well i mean the guy that asked it so when you sit down to do the interview it's a panel of three people and you've got uh like for me example for example i had someone who was with the agency for over two decades i had one person who was a lieutenant and someone who was with the agency for a couple of years and it's uh it was it was that individual the one who is still fairly fresh to the agency that asked that question because assuming he probably doesn't know too much about necessarily the investigator position at this point um but it's de- it was definitely made me step back and, and and think about a lot of things but um i don't necessarily believe that that's something that would happen per se just because like i mentioned and as you know there are investigators that do hold vrc licenses so i'm not super concerned about it uh, it was definitely an interesting conversation to have though yeah um, but uh going back to you know maybe them not wanting to necessarily put me in a position like that i will say that um for anyone who doesn't know i graduated with my two-year degree from santa fe college in gainesville florida with a degree in zoo animal technology which is going through their aza accredited zookeeper program uh, which was phenomenal i would do it over and over again I, I loved my experiences there i wouldn't be where i am now without that um, but interestingly enough there are people who have gone through that program that then pursued careers with fish and wild florida fish and wildlife in our officers so i got to pick their brains as well and those are the individuals that told me there are lots of great officers, but there aren't lots of great wildlife people. So that that little glimmer of hope is where I'm like, yeah. Look at my resume. Look at my experience. This is this is where I'm meant to be. So sure. What you're looking for? Hopefully, yeah. it all works out. We'll see. Yeah, man, I, I'm rooting for you. I really am. I think it's great. Uh, it's inspirational. It really is. And uh, I hope only the best. I know, I it's just that. we have we have very intense times right now. And yes. Oh boy. And it, it, it's it's a, a bit daunting at times. It is. Um, it's very frustrating sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's it's emotionally draining. You know, I can't tell you there there have been some times recently where I sat back and I'm like, do I want to wipe my hands of this before before it all hits the fan? And it's a it's a scary thought. Yeah. 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 And I know Justin, you were in a similar spot, especially with the Boiga this around this time last year. I remember. Yep. Yeah, and they still haven't even like that hasn't even been resolved. Like they they still haven't even met up about it again. Um, I don't know. I mean, like the good thing is is that you know Rob and Jeremy mm-hmm. are are doing they're they're getting a sort of a, a loose yep. society for both North and South Carolina together. Oh, that's awesome! In hopes that like doing something like that when these things pop up, there's a a group of us that are legit because there is a South Carolina Herb Society. But from what I've been told from people that have kind of gone out with those groups and, and done some herping, they're like very not into the captive propagation side of things. Really? Like they're very much like the the, the herping nature nerds. You know, they're yeah. not into the captive stuff. So that, yeah, it's awesome that Rob and Jeremy are kind of doing this. And I, I actually just talked to Jeremy about it yesterday because I want to get involved somehow. You know, mm-hmm. be it just as like membership or whatever, just figuring mm-hmm. out when they're meeting, and then hopefully with this new work schedule, I'll be able to to be active in that. Um, but it's it's good to have a group like that that can sort of show up when things pop up, you know, legislation wise. That can be like, look, we're legit. You know, you get your five hundred one three C even that that shows that you you're even more serious about it. And 
you know, like, like we were saying at the beginning, like I don't, I don't regulation. <clears throat> it's a slippery slope. I think if you can, if you can make your own rules, that's the better route to go than, than having someone else who isn't in it, do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. it's just that danger of like, okay, well we gave them, we, we did this, we bent this much and now they're wanting us to bend more and more and more. And, you know, so mm-hmm. we'll see. I think, I don't know if Florida has anything like that. I mean, surely they have a herb society or at least more than one. So but. there's, there's many and it, I don't, yes. I can't speak for, for Derek's neck of the woods, but down by me, there are several. And although they are very passionate and they are great keepers, I know some of them personally, I don't feel that I would be comfortable with them representing us. That that's it. Um, so obviously, as you know, there is us arc florida we have mm-hmm. to you know uh but there is no florida herp society it's it's the same up here in north florida there are separate like jack's herp society gainesville herp society it's oh, all, like all city yes it's county, all separated whatever. out um and i've seen some of those chapters kind of die off people graduate mm-hmm. and move and all those kinds of things and like you were mentioning about there are the you know wildlife and herper people and there's the herpetoculturists and there's a divide and that I, I saw that happen with Gainesville Herp Society and it kind of fell apart and it's really unfortunate uh, especially right now when we all kind of do need to come together um, but there is also that really great point that Phil brought up that a lot of these people aren't the best representatives of the yeah. industry in Florida and I, I, I really wish that people would cut like someone some group of people would come together and establish a florida herb society and be a great representative yeah. it's really surprising that there isn't like a statewide one and i mean i understand like traveling from phil's neck of yeah. the woods the oh state. yeah it's that's, a hike that's a, that's a hike but we are in the age of of telecommunications right you know zoom sure. and things like this like yeah like i can't be there in person but we can at least mm-hmm. have someone streaming it and and mm-hmm. be there and someone looking out for questions and things like that so yeah i don't know i just i, I think it's awesome if if Rob and Jeremy, you know, with this North Carolina, South Carolina thing, if they can Absolutely. make that big enough, I think that 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 would be a good a good step to to making a more legitimate sort of front. Sure. Yeah, sure. Doing really good work. At least at least side. setting a template for other people to yep. expand on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is so as I guess the other question with the the FWC thing, like as an agent. Mm-hmm. you would be dealing more with, with more than just herps yep. and as far as exotics and stuff go. So does that mean you, you have to sort of be clued into the, you know, big cats and, and other weird, crazy stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. So depending on what exactly I'm doing, I, I will have to be knowledgeable about regulations for not only, you know, class one, class two crocodilians, but, you know, carnivores, cats, bears, things of that nature, uh, hoofstock, you know, elephants, zebra all that stuff um but that is the the individuals who deal with that aspect of it those are promoted positions um yeah so if i get in and if i graduate from the academy i i will be a patrol officer um so that's dealing with fishermen hunters things like that driving around on a four-wheeler on a boat best job in the world um so when it but when it comes to the investigator positions, so yes, if I'm fortunate enough to go through and get to these positions, I will be, you know, inspecting venomous keepers. I'll be expecting inspecting zoos. I will be inspecting people who have elephants privately, cats, bears, 
you name it. Uh, so I will have to be up to date. Yeah, with all the you'll you'll also be inspecting, you know, Bob's Fish Emporium and yes. Petco and PetSmart and everything. Exactly. So yep. everything from canaries to you know cockatoos. Yep, yep. So it's a lot of information. Those guys do have to know a lot, and I in my limited experience of being a license holder in the state, you know, some of those guys, they walk around with the regulations in their hand because it, it's a you lot. Almost to have to. Yeah, exactly. Think, it's yeah. so, it's so much. And I, I've seen them kind of flip through and make sure that, Oh, I, I'm not so sure about this. Let me look it up really quick. Um, and it's something that I'm not going to sit necessarily say I have a leg up on, but I, I feel like I've got a really solid foundation because yeah, I'm a reptile guy, but I didn't start off as a reptile guy. Well, you also have the sort of that mindset that that is sort of in that same realm as far as other exotic stuff. Like you yeah, get exactly. it, you understand why people would want that, you know, why they're into it as much as they are. Like you there yeah. is some sort of relativity there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I've got friends like through my experiences working with my various organizations I've been affiliated with, I've got friends that are class one, you know, cat keepers and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. I have I'm friends with the people who run an elephant facility outside of Gainesville and all this other stuff. So, you know, I, I do have some baseline knowledge, but yeah, it's, it's a lot. Those guys have to remember and have to deal with. Florida is its own planet. It is. It's, it's wild. Such a, strange, leave. such a strange place, man. It is. I love it, man. Amazing. It's an amazing, amazing place. Like there's, there's no news headline that I come across that, that surprises me about Florida anymore. <laughs> You'd be like Martian lands in the Everglades and decides to like create some sort of weird alien possum hybrid and be like, yep, yep. it's Florida. Like, of course. Yeah. Not even phased. I, I, yeah, if there's one thing I love almost as much as reptiles, it's this state. I absolutely love it. Uh, I don't ever see myself leaving, although I am deeply disheartened at the amount of development that happens in this state every day. You uh, don't live by me, bro. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't dude it's gotten so bad the past year and a half it's yeah it's atrocious oh, uh, that's, God, that's all we hurts. talk about is how many more people every week mm -hmm. are flocking to my area and mm -hmm. the prices of everything yeah mm -hmm. it's insa absolutely insane it's 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag that's Literally. it dude. i i've been living in this this general region of Florida my entire life. And I'll use Gainesville as an example. It just expands and expands and is eating up all the small rural communities outside of it. And it's, Oh man, it hurts. It, it really hurts. And I hate to see the direction that the state's trending, but I'm, I'm hoping, you know, something changes. Yeah. yeah it's happening down here a lot, man. Like a lot of people mm -hmm. are, are getting out of the, you know, from out West and up North or they're, they're migrating South and, can't say i blame them but it is getting to the point where it's like even here in buford like it's growing mm -hmm. like crazy it's just it's wild mm -hmm. i believe it i absolutely believe it and it's it's funny uh, it kind of reminds me of i'm uh, i won't say i'm fairly well known in my community but like i'm the local snake guy i live in a very very small town um and i have put myself in a position through local word of mouth facebook groups that hey snake call me i'm also licensed to do this i'm not just some weirdo you know um, and it's, it's so funny. We'll get people, especially older individuals, um, that move to this general area and they freak out because, oh my gosh, I saw a coyote. Oh my gosh. Wildlife. There's a rat ah. snake in my chicken coop. And I'm like, if you can't There's handle it, in my out yard. of Florida. <laughs> There's squirrels. 
Yeah, it's just you make it, them go away. Gosh, it's Damn hard man. to bite your tongue sometimes on these Facebook groups. Like I got tagged in a post the other day where someone saw a bobcat in their yard, and I was like, "Oh man, this is awesome!" And then yeah, they, that, that would be really cool. I, I think that would that'd be but, freaking yeah. kick-ass. Be a but bobcat. of course, there's the comment. Oh, I would have folded that thing with my 308. Yeah, yeah. and I'm like, dude, and gosh, and I'm fortunate to have worked with some of the individuals I've worked with because I've learned how to address people in a, a way that's maybe not so abrasive. I feel yeah. like a lot of people. In our, yeah. I feel like yeah. a lot of people in our circle, we get so passionate and so fired up that maybe, you know, that passion comes through a little too strong. So like in that instance, I'm like, look, lifelong hunter, you saying this kind of shit doesn't portray the hunting community in a good light. Maybe ease off a little bit, bud. And it's just, gosh, these, these people. Man, Sorry. It's just the natty light talking. Hmm. <laughs> yeah we get that i mean we have a ton of like for whatever reason especially this area and hilton head in particular like mm-hmm. we get a ton of ohioans that decide to move mm-hmm. down here and it's like yeah. we didn't we don't have these in cincinnati it's like okay you don't like it go back perfect yeah, exactly yeah. exactly there's all these bugs yeah. and mosquitoes and cockroaches it's like yeah well you, you, you move to an area that has nature spoiler That's alert it surprise <laughs> you're gonna see some nature <laughs> well it's actually uh i anna marie and i went out in the cane fields a couple days ago just for like a last minute you know hey you want to go herping yeah let's go let's go for a drive and uh she saw her first florida black bear oh, oh yeah and, i saw that uh, video that was wild man yeah and in the cane fields which i've been here 21 years and i've never seen a bear in the cane fields so now it makes you wonder is what's going on to make them go to the cane fields mm-hmm. or was it just some one rogue random bear yeah they just you know? happen to be moving between areas yeah. You know? yeah i mean this is this is 30 miles west of west palm beach so and people freak out over squirrels you know see that's so bizarre that you guys have bears and we don't have bears here like bears are upstate that is like, so here on the weird. coast we don't have bears huh. we have bobcats but you don't see them very often and sometimes there's coyotes but yeah. It's odd because they're like everywhere else but here on the coast. It's hmm. just, it's strange. We get a yeah, lot of people I... that are out of towners and they, they're, you know, at, at work, I'll be in the shop and we'll have some tourists and they're like, where are the alligators here? <laughs> and they act like it's a shark or something. Like if they go anywhere near a body of water, like an alligator's just going to pop out and take them. And it's like, <laughs> kind of laugh. I'm like, even the big ones want nothing to do with you. And I tell them, mm-hmm. you know, if, if it's a fresh body of water and you're in the southeast, assume there's a gator in there. Yep. Of any Absolutely. size. Absolutely. They they're they're gonna be there. And even one of the guys that I, that's a part timer, he lives on one of these developed little communities on one of the islands and stuff. And he's like, There's a skater in my backyard. He's like, Well, you know, what what should I do? It came up near my porch and like what's its mouth was open and it was just laying there. And I'm like, dude, they can't like it's just like how dogs pant. Mm-hmm. They can't sweat. That's how they ventilate. Like He's not doing anything but just hanging out. It's like yep. I guarantee you, you walk out your front door, he's going to take off. Mm-hmm. You know, just keep your little dog inside and you'll be fine. Yeah. And from what and I now, gather now, well, like over time, over time, he's kind of come to like appreciate it though. And he's like, yeah. oh, I saw the gator. This, I saw the gator this morning and it was out. And now there's a different one in there. And he's like watching the them now, like it's a soap opera. And it just, <laughs> yeah. It yeah, cracks Chuck me and up. Larry. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. That one's Chuck. That one's Larry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe you remember. Or not remember, but it's it's brand new. Apparently, uh, the Florida Gator Lottery is now 24 hours during your tag. It is. So my question is, what was it before? 
uh, crepuscular through the night. Yeah, night night hunts. Yeah, oh, pretty much. So at one hour before sunset through one hour after sunrise, I think. Yep. Yeah. Um. So that leads me to wonder why. And is this like a a bleak attempt at loosening the regulation, or is there just that many gators and they're like, let them do whatever they want, within reason? Right. Uh, so if you were, I I believe if you were to ask the agency and the biologists and the commissioners and why they in the game management sector of the agency, they're just going to tell you that the alligator population in the state is is doing that well, um, and the population in reference to how many alligators are harvested a year is barely making a dent. Um, so they just, I guess, decided they wanted to open it up to, to all day long. There wasn't a whole lot of opposition to it, uh, which was interesting. Uh, based on what I saw at the meeting, there was a good a good mix of people who were for it and a couple of people who weren't for it. Um, I, I definitely think it's interesting. Uh, I, I don't know how I necessarily feel about it because, you know, don't get me wrong. I love alligators. If I were to ever keep any crocodilian, it would be an American alligator. Um, but I also love gator hunting and I love gator tail and it's so much fun. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't, I'm not sure how I feel about it I, necessarily. I think that it is a, I think that it is a subliminal mm -hmm. eye opening because of a issue with carrying capacity. Yeah. I yeah. think that there is a overabundance of quote unquote nuisance animals mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they figure you know what people are more apt to do a day hunt yep. than a night hunt for whatever reason maybe they mm -hmm. work maybe they don't whatever and i feel like there's a carrying capacity issue and they feel like that will help regulate said carrying capacity because you still have to have your your lotto tag and yes. you still have to be yes. within your range and within your season and your gap yep. and all that yep. so that hasn't changed anything but it's just interesting that they would just it is switch it up like it is you know but i i can definitely get behind that for sure i've got yeah. friends who are uh, nuisance alligator trappers at the state and i can uh, i can definitely get behind that and i think next up may be opening up a bear season again in florida because like yeah, you I said mean, seeing that one in the cane fields yeah i think their populations are bouncing well, back and, in a, a real strong way I, I would agree and to be honest since the last bear hunt we had was 2016 Yep. And they got almost 20 years of data in 24 hours. And people wow. don't realize that they, they're just so just to give you a, a summarized version of, of how that went down is it was voted that there was a carrying capacity issue with black bears in Florida. There was mm -hmm. these giant monster bears in the center of the state that were mm -hmm. destroying farmland. And they're like, you know what? We'll do a lottery. I think it was uh, I think 280 tags or something some something obscure like number like yeah. random ass number <laughs> yeah well that's what they that's what they decided per the the ratio of hunters in those regions and mm -hmm. you got to pick from three different spots that you wanted to that you wanted to hunt you'd only get one of them mm -hmm. and it was from like a monday morning to a friday afternoon that that was a week-long hunt but the goal was to get one bear for every tag right and the minute they maxed out the tags, the hunt stopped for the whole state. Yep. Yep. So they did that within the first 16 hours. Yeah. And they stopped it and they got so much data from all those bears that the biologists were, they, they were legit overwhelmed. They were like, we have 
all this data that we never even thought was possible. We know, you know, fecundity ratio. We know weight. We know uh, the, the external parasites, internal parasites, you mm -hmm. know, uh, uh, movement. You know, there were bears that were tagged that got taken or radio tracked and got taken. So now, like, they can... Well, no, but that's, but no, but that's a good thing because now you can remove that transmitter and get all that data from that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the best part about it was the state was extremely firm on what you were doing with your bear. You couldn't buy any part of it, sell any part of it, or trade any part of it. It was strictly for personal use and the scientific everything else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I could give Derek meat. You know, I could give Smitty a, a pelt, but I couldn't hawk them on eBay. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, and that's actually, that's becoming an issue in my in my area with the alligators is, you know, guys will get, what is it, two tags per season? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they'll get their two tags. They'll, they'll bang out two gators. They don't care the size in the first yeah. 24 hours. And then on the exit of the management area is just a line of pickup trucks. We buy yes. gator meat, we buy gator hides. Yes. And as long as the tag is punched and Fish and Wildlife's cool with it, they'll buy that carcass right off you and just put it in the cooler. Yep. Hmm. You know, and I, like I'm, I mean, I understand it. And like, I'm all for gator farms and, and, oh, yeah. you know, breeding and harvest. And I'm all about that, man. I'm, I'm, I'm an outdoorsman by, by nature. But the dudes that just do it to make a quick ah, buck, yeah. like, like, come on, man. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. i'm with you so i think i think we, we we probably are due for another bear harvest uh again 2016 was the last one mm -hmm. so i'm for it yeah we have uh, a squirrel season here which i find hilarious because we've got so many freaking squirrels i'm like until yeah. you until you try and hunt them yeah, yeah. Oh so my God. you pull out yes. any sort of weapon it goes quiet yes. and everything disappears yes. it's eerie so so in, so in my neck of the woods it's it's a max bag limit of, I think, 24 per season per management area, but a maximum bag limit of 12 per person per day. Mm -hmm. So some, something to that extent. I've never made quota. I've never maxed it out. I get two. You probably hit I more with three. your car than you've actually shot. I've never <laughs> actually hit a squirrel ever. I've actually, I, I've actually I've, never hit anything. Not yet, at least. I'm impressed. That is, I hope that never happens, buddy. It's not fun. Um, yeah, it's so funny. We, yeah, so we've got squirrel season here too. There's a season for, uh, there's a season specifically for bobcat. There's there all kinds of random stuff you yeah. wouldn't really think. Um, and then there's open season on the most random shit too. Like I'm pretty sure, uh, gosh, what was it? I was just looking at it the other day. I think otter. I don't think there's a specific season for otter. It's just well, see, year round. Down by me, down by me, it has to be during general gun or small game. Okay. And it's a designated fur bearers window. Right. And uh, and then each management area has its own fur bearers regulations within it. Okay. Yeah. And like, so for example, you know, feral pig. Mm -hmm. That's there's no bag limit, no season for the state of Florida. Right, right. But the WMAs by me, they mm -hmm. each have their own regulation for like the so like the closest one by yep. me that's West Palm. You can't shoot a feral, invasive, destructive pig if it is under a 14 inch shoulder height. Interesting. And it makes you wonder, well, why would you not want to simply eradicate these invasive, horrible animals that are destroying mm -hmm. our beautiful Florida's ecosystem? So they can get bigger and do it more. No. Well, the fact of it is that there is a massive amount of revenue generated from out-of-state hunting licenses in my area because they're all snowbirds. 
So when they use up their hunting stuff in their home state, they mm -hmm. come down here, pay double, if not triple for the licenses and permits to hunt by me. And then they, they want to keep those pigs on that property. So okay. as, if you're shooting stuff that's over a 14 inch shoulder height, well, that means it's probably already bred at least once. And they got more little piglets to keep the money coming, which I personally think is royally fucked up because now the state is generating revenue <sighs> yes. off of a invasive species. Yep. yep. But don't you dare own a tegu. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't you dare own that tegu. Don't you dare pluck that baby green iguana out of your backyard oh, and give God, it to your 10-year-old no. child. No. God forbid. Oh, jeez. Against the law. I'm disappointed, Phil. I don't know. Uh, I'm not a hunter, so I just find it funny that there's squirrel season and, like, I could I could it, literally yeah. bag, like, 30 of them just on my morning walk. Yeah. Yeah, I, I never realized growing up that there was a particular season for squirrel either i was just like oh cool i can go shoot and squirrels see, whatever I, and i, I love squirrel. i oh, love small dude. game season because yeah, small game fun. season starts with general gun mm -hmm. so all these guys are all odorless scentless <laughs> hiding in their tree blind you know waiting for that beautiful tiny ass florida whitetail i'm just walking around the woods <laughs> casual as hell got my well, rimfire yeah dude yeah i'm just <laughs> Walking around, I don't care about my smell. I put a little cologne mm -hmm. on. I'm upwind. I don't give a fuck. Cigarette in mouth. <laughs> oh yeah, that's it, dude. That's it. The best scent cover is a cigarette, <laughs> dude. And people think I'm crazy, but every single time I've ever gone turkey hunting, every single time I've had a cigarette or two or ten because they can't smell, and every single time I have deer come up to me. And I'm in full full camo, right? Full, no orange, no nothing. Full camo, and this yep. these does walk over, and they're like, "What are you?" And then I'll I'll just do this, I just like raise my hand. They're like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because like working at a Bass Pro Shops for as long as I did, you talk to a lot of the old heads, and man, they go out in the deer stand, blue jeans and cigarettes. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and, and they're killing more deer than so, I ever have. In the, the case first, of bud, that's it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> the first actual physical on purpose deer hunt I ever went on was with one of my good hunting buddies from high school. Mm -hmm. And he had won a, you know, all expenses paid archery hunt on this private ranch in North Florida. Nice. So he's like, Hey man, it's me and an observer. You want to be my observer? I said, sure, man. Hell yeah. A couple days in the woods. We'll, oh yeah. We'll, you know, bag a doe and call it a day. Well, he was explicit. You can't smoke. You ha can't. You have to. I'm going to give you the special shampoo to use. I'm like, okay, fine. What the hell yeah. are we doing? Well, I was like, I'll play. This is your hunt. I don't want to ruin your hunt. The whole time we were in that tree stand, he's dipping and spitting his dip out of the tree stand, and it's wintergreen. Uh -huh. And I'm like, you're going to yell at me for my cigarette smoke, but you're literally sprinkling like Hansel and Gretel wintergreen across the landscape. Tell them you're smoking camel crushes. It's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that you that was help. the whole thing. And I said, we're in the tree stand. Yeah. He's yeah. like, dude, I don't know why there's no deer here. I was like, wintergreen. You yeah, stink figure. like wintergreen. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. That's too funny. So Never, never been a hunter. Got plenty of family that does. But it's just never been my... Hey, and hey, look, hey, I'm, I'll eat the hell out of out of venison and stuff. Like oh, I ain't above yeah. eating it. I yeah, I just don't want to be the one that has to kill it. I, to be brutally honest, some of my fondest outdoors memories is 
going small game hunting with a diversity of game and then everything we got we would just cook throughout the day you know mm -hmm. and we're, we're gigging frogs and rabbit oh, and squirrel dude. and snipe yeah. and dove and but it's a bitch to do it is it <laughs> yeah, is. i'd feel like a like a real asshole gigging frogs oh man that, there's just something about impaling shit with a spear that i'm just like <laughs> this is not a quick death it's like not i feel thing. like an asshole every time but yeah. i'm like you know what he's if like you weren't so damn tasty. <laughs> if you weren't so damn flavorful i know right? uh, yeah no yeah. i i get that i get Did that I, what were you gonna say no no say what you're gonna say there no I, I was just gonna say that i've just been on this kick for probably a couple of years now when i'm just sustainability is a really big thing for me and i want to eventually get to the point where I, everything i put into my body i either grew or killed myself so i'm just really trying to kind of dive into everything from small game hunting to whitetail my absolute favorite is turkey hunting i love turkey hunting and also trying to work on my green thumb as well which is uh you know easier said than done always always <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> Did I ever tell you guys about the time uh, me and a couple of Herper buddies were were pig hunting and uh, the uh, Argentinian guys? Did I ever tell you this? I don't think mm -hmm. so. All right, so me and a couple of buddies we would go out to this one ranch that's uh, uh, part of the wildlife management system, and it's a private ranch that basically they grant access to certain you know quota permit holders, and uh, we got lucky. We we pulled for that whole season. And so we would go out every, you know, Saturday and Sunday, we'd shoot some snipe and, you know, have some slugs just in case we came across a pig. Mm -hmm. And every weekend there were these Argentinian dudes in this white pickup truck and they all drove up from Miami and they had spoke very, very broken English, nicest guys in the world. And always were like, oh, you guys want a beer? You want some water? And we would go trade back and forth. And they always slayed pigs, man. They got like four or five every weekend. And I, we just couldn't figure it out. Well, one day we were cooking up some uh, some like scrambled eggs in the Dutch oven, mm -hmm. and uh, we had some bacon going, and it was good. We had some frog legs that we got the night before, and the one ringleader who spoke the mm -hmm. best English, he comes over with this big uh, Pyrex full of marinated pulled mojo pork, oh. and and he's like, you uh you guys want to uh, you want to trade some 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 eggs for some pork? And we're like, of, of course, man, of course, we got all, we got <laughs> yeah. like five dozen eggs. Let's do this, you know. We probably didn't have 5,000. I'm exaggerating. But we did that, and we're eating it. I was like, man, this is the best pork I've ever had. I was like, is this from that pig last week or the week before? He goes, the pig last week? It's from Publix, bro. It's from the grocery store. And I was long, like, long pig. Come on, no. man. Come on. He goes, he goes, oh, no, man. Those got summer sausages. They're in the freezer. I'm like, okay. All right. Nice. Nice. Uh, had That's me going, funny. man. That's <laughs> for me. That's also one of the most Florida statements I've ever heard, too. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, of yeah. course it came from a public. Yeah, he's like, no, man, it's from Publix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so those of you who are unaware, Publix is our major grocery store in the Southeast. They yeah, do have really good sandwiches. They have good everything. And their they chicken's do. really good, too. Yeah, it's all good. Those chicken tender pub subs. Oh, Live man. Tender Live Live that, chicken, that chicken put <clears throat> on blue. Chicken cordon bleu. Dude, I'm so bummed. The last three pub subs I got were chicken cordon bleu, and they mm -hmm. always fuck it up, man. And like, oh. uh, and I know it's the one pub. Gotta get it it's toasted, to. man. I know, man. It's all you know, like mush and uh I don't know. I don't have that problem. It's definitely something you want to eat like as soon as you get it. You don't want to like yeah, it, yeah. let it sit for like a half hour because then it definitely uh, will be see uh, my cheese coming out the yeah. sides. Oh yeah. 
my issue is I get the whole chicken tender sub and I eat half yes. of it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm I could eat more, and then I eat the full thing and I regret it. Yes. Every time. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, and then put some Frank's Red Hot on it. Oh mm. yeah. Oh, get out. Mm. Of course. Yeah, man. Oh. <laughs> Billy Jenkins. Publix is the grocery. The. <laughs> they are nice. They are. Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. We're about to have a second one here. They're they're almost finished building a second one. Nice. We're turning into Florida more and more by the year. (laughs) There's a a road in Gainesville that I'm pretty sure every other plaza has a Publix. So there's like four, I swear, within a mile radius of each other. It's insane. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. I fucking love it. That's good. Dude, that's how it's turning into, like the communities and stuff. Like they're gonna be on the verge where they're just gonna build walls around these communities and it's gonna have all that stuff inside of it. So people never have to leave those walls. Yep. It's gonna be like yep. the Walking Dead or the village or something. <laughs> like it's it's literally gonna be these own little like tiny nations of retirees. Hey, if it stops development, I'm here for it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, yep. Well, gentlemen, this has been a, a, a very interesting podcast to say the least. It's been uh, nice to catch up. <laughs> is there anything you guys want to touch base on? I don't think so. I think we're no. good, man. No, hey, raffle. Interested, oh, keep, yeah, the raffle. Absolutely. And keep up to date with RPI Venomous Handling Courses for anyone who's interested. There will be yeah, more coming. Definitely, uh, definitely let me know when you guys are having them and whatnot. And, for sure. Uh, I may try and weasel my way in to be a fly on the wall. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be we're awesome. gonna paint him the same color as the as the wall and everything, so he just blends in and people won't even notice he's there. <laughs> have him stand next to the cages, but we have the cages like painted on him. Uh-huh. And he's just, he's just <laughs> in, his, in his underwear, just painted right there in the corner. And then the last like part of the class is he pops out because he's been there the whole time. Yeah, just put me in one of those big mamba enclosures. It's just a cigarette. Yeah, the final <laughs> test. <laughs> the final test. Stay focused on the snake while Phil pops out of a corner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, public builds a store for every fifty thousand population. That makes sense. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's that's scary. That's a little depressing. Yeah, <laughs> the more you see them pop up, it's like, well. yeah, that's that's. I've got four publics within like three miles of my house. Oof, oof. Mm. And I'll bet you every single one of them's damn busy every swamped. day. Swamped yeah. every day. Swamped. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, free daddy, where can people find you? Yep. He needs to be the crotalid cowboy. Yes, he does. Is he frozen? I think so. Yes. Oh, he's... So uh, he is... Instagram oh, is my social we... media. We can hear you, but you can't hear uh, yes. There we go. There, there we, we go. go. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So, uh, yeah, my social media platform of choice is instagram you can find my page apex arboreals that's all my captive stuff if you're more interested in wildlife and firearms you can follow me at crotalis cowboy um, and then my name is derek dykstra on facebook for those of you who just want to be my friend oh oh free daddy <laughs> So are we going to get to do a real quiz night at some stage? Yes, we will have yes. to figure that out. Yes, 100%. Yeah, we'll definitely put that together. You know what? We we should try and do that for next week. With, like, the raffle and everything? Hold on a second. Which, uh, no, next week's only the 23rd. Is it? Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's Memorial Day. 
No, Memorial Day is the thirtieth. Are you sure? I'm positive. Are you okay? I'm confused then. Yeah, yeah Memorial Day is the thirtieth. Next week's the twenty-third. We should do it. Okay, so week. then the raffle isn't going to be next week. It's going to be the following week. Yeah. So you have two weeks to get your slots still. There you go. Grab them up. We sold some while we were doing this show here. So, hell yeah. Yeah, I saw a couple of people say, you know, check PayPal. So that's awesome. You see where we're at now. Da, 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 da. Da. Scott says we need much more herp stuff than the uh, Reptile Fight Club quiz. 490. Excellent. 490. So close. And uh, our buddy Tyler Brooks actually donated some extra. So it's actually more, it's closer to. 530 right on hell yeah man awesome ty thanks yeah uh yes i agree he needs much more herpet stuff than the rfc quiz rfc quiz was fun i don't know if if i'll use that same sort of program or app they used i'll have to figure something out but yeah we'll we'll definitely we got a couple days that'll be fun that'll be good hell yeah all right this show was brought to you by puget sound pythons right here there we go and blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Phil needs to get his cages set up so he can get pictures. I know. Oh, I know. And like I said, Jake and I are going to try and get a video out on his setups and stuff and talking about all the different models and stuff. We're just going to figure that out at some point here soon. Maybe this weekend. We'll have to see. Yeah. He's a busy guy. He's, <laughs> he's bragging about his. Uh, his his room set up yesterday we were cleaning mice he's like dude it's so perfect like i just walk in and it's like it's right along this wall and i got this walk-in closet and the v70s just right there and i'm like fuck you man i'm busy working in a telephone booth of a room yeah it's on the damn floor bragging i'm like you bastard so yes great cages great racks check them out uh there will not be thp thursday i don't know if we're gonna do it Wednesday or if we're going to do it sometime over the weekend because there's an event at work so I'll be working Thursday night late so we'll have to figure that out I don't know what we're going to do yet but uh, people should buy Scott Iber's new book Absolutely. Yes. I, need, I need to buy Scott Iber's new book we all do yes, yes. I need yes. to get all of his books well actually I was talking to Ty yesterday or what would have been it's her birthday today it, or yesterday oh man I feel like such today. a jerk um, I don't know because but... they're, they're her birthday well, it regardless, funny. it's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So happy yeah. birthday, whether it's belated yes, or not. Happy belated. Um, I was just talking with her about possibly trying to get together like a group buy, so that way we can just do one big box, you know, and try and do that. So that'll be yeah, good. That'd be good. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Adios. Bye. Good night, Moon. Good night, Moon. A comb and a brush and a bowl full of mush. I was thinking about that this morning. I was like, Phil hasn't done that in a long time. (laughs) Oh, God. Bye. Adios. Mm -hmm.